0: Ladies and gentlemen, let the brassy tones of Shirley Bassey welcome you to Raven Bond Goldfinger. Goldfinger. I'm so excited. I'm Natalie Bohensky, James Bond Tragic, Goldfinger Tragic, and with me is, he's the pussy galore to my auric goldfinger.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that sounds about right.
0: He's attracted to women sexually, unless maybe James Bond came along. But we'll get into that. Uh, it's Stuart Late. <laughs> Hello, Natalie. Hello,
1: everyone. Hey, this is a pretty good film, Nat. Eh?
0: <laughs> I'm so excited, Stu. It's a pretty like, good one. It's it's great to have this kind of, um, I call it like a high watermark of, of the franchise. Yes. It's not perfect uh, oh, it's by not. Any, any means. <laughs> Oh, I can hear the con. Uh, I can hear the censure in your
1: voice too. Oh yes, it's a it's a, it's a flawed masterpiece.
0: <laughs> it is, but it's 1964. Sure. Everything <laughs> was flawed back then. <laughs> there, there's nothing in pop culture that came out of the 60s that is unproblematic in some way. Let's just let's just acknowledge it. Let's embrace it. Let's appreciate the past that we've come from and the brighter in future that we're heading towards,
1: mm-hmm.
0: except in the Bond franchise, which I would argue is needs some work to, to, to reclaim some glory. Yes. But, okay, so Goldfinger, sorry, I've got a cat who's decided she needs attention while I'm podcasting. I'm sorry, Crystal, unless you're James Bond or Pussy Galore, well, you're Pussy, oh, okay, fair enough. I've been snookered by my own logic. <laughs> I have three foster cats, which means... I certainly do have pussies galore. Absolutely. But, yes, this film, to me, and we'll get, we'll start with our one-minute challenge, but to me this film really brings together what we now consider Bond tropes, Bond stereotypes, Bond Absolutely. experiences. And, you know, there are things that happen in this film that then happen and re-happen and uh, it, it sets a high watermark, I think, what yes bond very comes, much so yeah you know should it, it, we've,
1: been, we've been talking for the last two films about how you know like, like this the series is still finding its feet and you know it, it's not quite there to what we would consider a, a james bond film and then this film comes in and right out of the gate you've got that shirley Bassey theme and it just oh, really man. sets the tone and then the whole thing is like an, an insane elaborate plot with by a supervillain who yeah. has like you know, wood panelled, uh, you know, movable uh, displays topographical of maps. <laughs> topographical maps of his of his evil plans. Uh, his you know, shoes. like lasers, a tricked oh. out spy car, beautiful yep. women. Like like this is a James Bond film. You could make the argument that this is the James Bond film, for better or worse.
0: I remember hearing Pierce Brosnan talk about when he was first cast as Bond that his first. Film memory was seeing Goldfinger on the big screen. It was the first film that his dad took him to, and he was 10, and he just remembers the image of this gold-painted woman lying on the bed on screen. And as you know, Stu, this is only a few seconds, really, of screen time. It's not there for very long. I guess, but it's an indelible image, isn't it? It's so indelible, Indeligible. Indeligible. (laughs) Indelible. It's legible and indelible. But to me it sums up so much about what bond is you know you've got that sort of beauty and danger and you know there's always something the desire part of it and in this and case a
1: woman and a woman dying to further the plot
0: Well sure <laughs> <laughs> And hey, it's not just her, her sister does as well. Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They totally do that as well.
0: <laughs> and really for no reason, but we can get into that. <laughs> oh, no, there is a reason, I suppose. So I think that, that that beauty, danger, risk, desire, it's all kind of wrapped up in that image of the the golden painted woman. And uh, I mean, I, I love it. It's so good. Oh, it's so good.
1: It's incredible. For For a long time, I saw this as a kid as well. I probably... I'm trying to think if it would have been when I was about 10. I don't know whether I would have been that young, but um, I definitely saw this when I was a kid. And that really freaked me out, like the gold lady. Yeah. It was just such an incredible image to to see. And then – for the longest time, I thought that that was a real thing, that if you painted someone head to toe, that you could yeah. kill them that way. It's not a thing. It's absolutely it's not, not a thing. thing. It's another it's... thing where, you know, Ian Fleming's just been like, yes, if you if you paint someone completely with their skin, uh, they'll die. It's like Yes, because
0: obviously they won't be able to breathe through their they nose be... or their mouth anymore.
1: Well, it's like they, they call it skin suffocation. It it's like, it's, did yeah. you just make stuff up? Like, did someone tell him that and he just never bothered to look it up?
0: Yeah, I mean, surely that would imply that if you're in a really cold climate where you have to be kind of covered head to toe in clothing, that you could die of skin <laughs> suffocation yes, exactly. by that logic. I don't know. But, yes, it's still – look, they could have just said she was strangled and painted gold. It was completely That's unnecessary. Right. Yeah. It would have, been, it would have been
1: so much better if that was it.
0: Yeah, but, uh, look, it's it's something –
1: but still, an yes, indelible. Limit.
0: Exotic yeah. and yes. strange, you know. Right. Let's go through our one-minute challenge. Yes. Should I go first this week? Because I think you were yeah, first. Yeah, I've,
1: I've gone. I've gone first the last couple. So yeah, you go first. Okay,
0: I'll go <laughs> first this week. Uh, I started by wasting time by just writing. So excited! I love gold.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, Natalie, I don't know whether you know this about uh, or a Goldfinger, but. Uh, The man loves gold.
0: He does. He loves only gold.
1: He loves only only gold.
0: gold. Yeah, he loves only gold.
1: Silver? No, thank you. No. Bronze? Get the hell out of here.
0: Yeah, you can fuck right off with your bronze.
1: Zinc? I'm going to shoot you in the kneecap.
0: Titanium? Don't even start with me. (laughs) But gold? Let's talk. I mean, first of all, just as a side note, his name is Auric Goldfinger. Auric yes. like or or AU. I mean that's that's,
1: that, that's Batman villain levels of naming right there.
0: <laughs> but that's the chemical symbol for gold. Isn't yes, it? exactly, or, yes. AU. Yes. Or, you know, like Nero in Rome had his Domus Aurea, which was his golden dome, his golden palace, which was supposedly <laughs> made out of gold. Like that's that's my level of Latin gold knowledge. And his last name is Goldfinger. We're surprised that he loves gold. Or yes. was that a strategic name change?
1: Oh, you you think you might have changed it by depole?
0: Yeah. It's
1: like, I, I've got a brand?
0: Yeah. I really <laughs> like gold, and I'm just going to consolidate everything.
1: Or do you um, think it's one of the most extreme cases of nominative determinism that there's ever been?
0: Yeah, that's right. It's like if your name became Diamond O. Zirconia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the other I thing I just want to mention as an aside is that Goldfinger was – So apparently Ian Fleming had this habit of naming villains in the Bond series after real-life people. Oh, right. there there was an architect called Erno Goldfinger, like a British architect, I think, who Fleming didn't like because he didn't like his buildings. (laughs) Sorry, quick, quick search. He chose the name to commemorate the architect Erno Goldfinger who had built his home in Hampstead near Fleming's uh, it is possible, though unlikely, he disliked Goldfinger's style of architecture and destruction of Victorian terraces and decided to name a memorable villain after him. <laughs> but then he's also supposed to be based on a, an American gold tycoon named Charles W. Engelhard, And Engelhard just doesn't have the same ring as Goldfinger. But, but no. Goldfinger must be a name that he's given himself, unless it's a translation from a, a foreign language where – I don't know. It's just like, it's such a good name.
1: <laughs> Go- Goldenschwassen.
0: Yeah. Or something. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Actually, I was going to say, because um, the actor who plays Goldfinger, is he German?
0: Yes. Now. But he's meant
1: to be British yes, in the movie, he right? Yes,
0: and so he was dubbed because.
1: Was he dubbed as well? What is with everyone yeah. being dubbed in these early films?
0: because nobody can understand people with accents. <laughs> but I was reading I was reading up on this because apparently he had to speak phonetically so they wrote his lines out phonetically so he could just say the words, but he oh, was right. too he didn't slow. speak any English at all. Only a small amount. Like right. barely spoke English. So they wrote everything out for him phonetically, so he could just say the words, but then, because he was slow, he had to speak really quickly, so that when they dubbed it, it matched. right. because he was going, you know, like my man, odd job will take care of that, you know, and then they'd have to get him to go, my man odd job will take care of that, so then they could add in the accent,
1: right, okay, but then but, but then the dub but this is what confuses me then because the whoever dubbed his voice has a bit of a German lilt to their voice.
0: Yeah. So he's put on a German accent and he was an English actor named Michael Collins.
1: But then why would he put on a German accent if if he's meant to be British? Yeah. It's nothing about this makes sense.
0: It's confusing. (laughs) He's supposed to be a British supervillain, but he has a German accent. Yeah. I look, I don't know. Interesting fact though, just having brought up Gert Frobes, I think it's Frobe, 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 Gert Frobe. Okay. I'm going to take a punt on that. Please do correct me if you are a German speaker. There's a there's a little uh, umlaut. No, not an umlaut. The little dot-dot over the O. So I'm not yeah, sure that's, what that means. That's, that's an umlaut? Umlaut. But he says, it says Goldfinger was banned in Israel after it was revealed that Frobe had been a member of the Nazi party. Oh, no. However, he left right. the party before the outbreak of World War II. And after several years, the ban was lifted as it was found out that Frobe likely saved the lives of two Jews by hiding them in his basement during the war. Ah,
1: okay. That That, story ends so nicely. That story ended far better than he was a member of the Nazi party has any right to. (laughs)
0: Yes. But he quit before the start of the war. Like, that would have been pretty hard thing to do I yeah, imagine it like,
1: it's like Stu Sutton leaving the Beatles before they broke big
0: yeah oh hey how good is Bond's uh troll on the Beatles in
1: this oh rock? yes oh, yeah I was gonna I didn't have that written down but yeah no that's what a <laughs> Jesus Christ
0: it's <laughs> like listening to the Beatles without earmuffs
1: the Beatles without earmuffs
0: and I just I love like, it really? like, no but it's true he's ragging on like the young people culture exactly like oh it's man so cool. Crazy. We think about like the great British exports, a Bond and the Beatles, and then Bond's like because oh, he's God. older God. and he's like these kids with their haircuts and their. And what's and what's rockies. more
1: to just to just to grind it in a bit more, he's using it as an analogy for bad like champagne. Him being <laughs> like a real a real champagne <laughs> nerd.
0: Yeah, he's such a champagne nerd. That whole scene in the bank, <laughs> they're passing around this bottle of sherry or something claret i don't know so the whole scene is exposition and of course we talked last week about exposition in front of all of the people blowing stuff up on specter yes. island and that whole exposition scene about gold was just these three dudes passing around a drink bottle of crystal decanter, <laughs> <laughs> sniffing it and that was actually like yeah
1: they obviously went oh people will be interested in this one this will be fine
0: and well this is the thing and i think just as as we get into our um List because I know I just started, but this film was directed by Guy Hamilton, so the first two were directed by Terence Young, and then Guy wow. Hamilton takes over and he goes on to direct four Bond films, I think. Oh, wow, okay. And so I think that that extra tone that he takes with the material and injects in more of the humour, and I think oh, yes. for me anyway, the puns all land better in this film than they did in Dr. No and From Russia With Love. Like, the the puns are proper... Puns in this one. Yeah, and
1: they mostly make sense. Yes, most of
0: them. Yeah. Yeah, they relate to like when at the very start Bond is getting a massage and Felix Leiter says, I thought I'd find you in good hands. Like that's a pun. That's (laughs) That's fun. He's having a massage. That's a pun. But um, let me continue with my list. Otherwise, I'll get to. Sorry, yeah, yeah. (laughs) So the cold open is a, a longer cold open than from Russia with love. And we actually see Bond, proper Bond fulfilling a mission it's like that whole at the end of last week's episode here we see bond blowing up some oil tanks in cuba i think he's supposed to be in yeah i
1: think i think it's like somewhere in somewhere in the
0: caribbean south america and he because there's a heroin that's what he's doing he's blowing up a heroin heroin filled bananas to finance (laughs) revolutions so is what he says but he gets to the place by swimming there in a a wetsuit oh uh,
1: yes he does a, yes or he or a dry
0: suit i should say <laughs> with a duck on his head <laughs> and i like i love that whole sequence as a kid i remember being entranced by the idea of bond having a wetsuit taking it off and he's got a perfectly pressed yes uh, white tie white tuxedo White tuxedo on underneath, perfectly pressed. Even with the rose that comes out, seemingly comes out of nowhere to finish. Yeah, it. he just
1: pulls. He just pulls it out.
0: It's like where was that? And it's like, but his hair would be wet, and his hair is not wet anymore. It's perfectly <laughs> coiffed. It's, 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 like, it's Bond. Like it's Bond. It's the whole. He, he's so cool. He's been swimming up to this <laughs> tank. Uh, that that
1: moment that moment made me cackle because that's such a that's such a thing that has been like parodied in so many other different things but like but you know you, like, yeah it, when it happens it's obviously meant to be tongue in cheek like it's meant to be a little bit campy and, and, and fun and that's what I works. mean like
0: I think that Guy Hamilton in using that as that that first thing the first time you see Bond in this film is him emerging from the water with a duck on his head or a, yes. a, yeah. a seagull <laughs> on his head. And that kind of sets the tone. It really does change from, oh, this is a serious spy thriller to, oh, this is a Bond. This is a Bond film. Yeah, exactly. This is a deadly serious mission he's doing, but also he gets there with a duck on his head. Like, he didn't need that. He could have just emerged from the water in his spy gear, like in his wetsuit. Yeah. And then do the tux reveal later. He didn't need the duck, but they went with the duck. And (laughs) I, I find that fascinating.
1: So that's I had a very to good that
0: point. Down. That's a very good point. Uh, and our theme song, Shirley. And I yes. years ago now, I did a definitive ranking of all the Bond songs. I think it was only, I think it was after, guess, no, and uh, a Quantum of Solace. I did this, so it was before Skyfall and Spectre, I think. Right. Uh, and I ranked Goldfinger as number one. Okay. Uh, I mean, uh,
1: I mean that's that's a, an uncontroversial choice, but it is it's, it is interesting.
0: It's an uncontroversial choice because it just is – it's Shirley Bassey. It's, I mean, it is Bond. It's bombastic. That and brass about,
1: starts up, oh.
0: Yeah, and it's about the villain, and that's – all the yes. best songs are about the villain, to me anyway. They're always kind of from the villain's point yeah, of view. Yeah, it's almost
1: always, yeah. Yeah. The ones that are about Bond are kind of, uh okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's not talk about Sam Smith. That's going to be <laughs> – That's going to be a repeated motif throughout this whole podcast until we get to special. How much Sam
1: Smith sucks or? Uh,
0: Sucks, the big one. Or that song that he wrote. (laughs) The running on the moon. I think I I can barely listen to it. If I ever try and listen to it, I would have to turn it off. But I think I remember reading an interview with him before the movie came out about how, you know, he was really just inspired and he wrote the song in like half an hour. And I'm like, it shows, buddy.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it was written in half an hour.
0: Take a bit more time. Put some bloody effort into Anyway, so this is, you we'll know. We'll talk
1: about that more when we get to the Spectre episode.
0: Oh, I'll probably have dis- dissected the whole film by the time we get there. Um, oh, speaking of which, little tidbit that I didn't put in, in my recap about from Russia with Love. It's something I'd forgotten that in the books, in the film, they're after Elector. That's the name of the decoding machine. But in oh, this book...
1: is from Russia with Love.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in the books, it was called a Spectre, S-P-E-K-T-O-R. Oh! They, they couldn't call it that because they'd brought in the idea of Spectre, the agency.
1: But isn't Spectre from the
0: books? It is, but... The
1: organisation?
0: But uh, Ian Fleming wrote Dr. No after From Russia With Love. Spectre is not in the books, I think, at the point that From Russia With Love was written. Right, okay. It comes right, right, after. Right. So, so they couldn't put that in the film because it'd be really confusing. Sure, Spectre, yeah. Spectre, spectre
1: wants a, spe- a Spectre. I mean, I mean, it makes sense that Spectre getting would a spectre, spectre, spectre machine. I mean, you
0: know. <laughs> yeah. But I, I did I, I, did remember that when I was reading up on it, and I was like, ah, oh, that's so cute. But, yes, back to my list. So Shirley Bassey, theme song, knocks it out of the park. And Goldfinger as a villain is just fantastic. I wrote here he's proper nuts, proper nuts. <laughs> just what you want a villain to be. <laughs> At the start when Bond is getting his massage and he tells the girl, dink, to go away, uh, and he says long... man, talk, man talk, and then slaps her on the butt. Oh and puts boy! Her away. <laughs> and I was like, wow, how could I forget that? <laughs> I mean, like, look, it's that whole like cheeky like, but the fact that he says man talk, I yeah, man talk. I, yeah, like, for some, re- oh for some reason,
1: God. that makes it worse. If he had just slapped her on the ass as she left, weirdly for me anyway, that would have been fine. <laughs> look, I you know, it's, it's like,
0: totally same.
1: Totally, totally fine. Same. Yeah, yeah. Just the fact that he goes run along now, man talk. Also the fact that she's called dink. Yes. Um is not great.
0: Why is that not great? Isn't it doesn't that mean when you carry someone on the front of your bicycle?
1: What? I've never heard of that in my entire life.
0: You've never heard of that? Is that a I'm, thing? I'm sure that's I'm sure that's like an Australian term for yeah, here, dinking in Australia. To dink is to give someone a lift on your bike, letting him or her sit on your handlebars, your crossbar or on the back of you.
1: I have literally never heard that in my entire life. This is the first time I'm hearing that as in, in that context.
0: Maybe it's like one of those things. Is some reference here to Tasmania? So maybe it's a thing that's like southern Australia. You know how we have some. You know, there's
1: definitely like regionalisms. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, I like differences Australian. in Australia.
1: I've never heard that. I mean, I, I think of I think of dink and I think like stupid. Like like they're such a dink.
0: Okay, I've never.
1: I think, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's maybe I'm bringing the wrong connotations to it. It's just like she's called Dink, you know, like like we've we've got Jill Masterson and Tilly Masterson and Pussy Galore and Dink.
0: <laughs> I don't know. To me, it was very cutesy. It was supposed to be very cutesy and maybe a bit American.
1: I guess, yeah, yeah. I mean, she she's supposed to be American, isn't she?
0: Yes. And she's actually the woman who was painted – she probably wasn't. She was probably British because I think they filmed most of those scenes on the soundstage. They just did a little bit of external stuff right? with Bond and Felix Leiter in Miami. So she was probably British. And she was the girl who was painted for the theme song. Oh, she, okay, right. She's not the one painted gold in the film, that's Jill Masterson, but sure, she's but in the, the, the one painted for the credits. Right, uh, okay. Yeah, man talk, wow. And <laughs> – Possibly the most spectacular thing about the entire film is uh, Bond's baby blue Terry romper. Oh wow! Romper.
1: <laughs> I wanted to get into this. Does <laughs> that not is that not something that is so indicative of its time? Yeah. He, baby yeah. blue, like a like a duck egg blue
0: Terry toweling
1: onesie, like, pl- side like a play suit,
0: poolside romper,
1: <laughs> Man, man's fashion. You know.
0: You can just like, see. And that thing
1: is short too. Like it's not. There's not. There's not a lot of give in any of the areas that you would want there to be give in.
0: Yeah. No. And he's um.
1: It is a. It is a one piece. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's, you don't. See, you don't see a lot of one piece men's fashions these days.
0: No. They got didn't. Didn't the whole man play suit thing or the man onesie kind of got ironically popular a few years ago.
1: I mean, there was onesies. There was there was like you know, in, in the in the ongoing infantilization of our culture, there was onesies that made a, a comeback a little while ago, like a few years ago. But
0: yeah, like... I'm talking like typically for like young dudes going to music festivals, it was like you get your Hawaiian shirt kind of style pattern, but it's a full romper suit, shorts,
1: oh, okay, all right, shirt, I,
0: I... sunglasses and.
1: Natalie, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not on the cutting edge of men's fashion. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> Come on, my, Sue. I know my, I know you hit the music festival. My idea
1: of dressing up is putting on pants. So <laughs> I don't I'm not always at the top end of, of what's, you know, cutting edge in, in the foot couture.
0: Have you encountered in in our time of uh and I know we're we're not supposed to be focusing on, on COVID nineteen, but uh have you had any accidental, you know, no pants revelations on uh Zoom meetings? No, Perhaps? I've
1: actually I've been very I've been very um uh disciplined about that and actually worn pants for all my zoom meetings just in case Um, because i I just know that the day that i don't wear pants is the day that something happens where i have to suddenly get up and it's just no no one's having fun in that situation
0: (laughs) someone's got to be really quick to take a screenshot Uh, (laughs) and then drinks are on you at the christmas party
1: absolutely you know just just imagine the world where you can wear that unironically poolside or you know down the beach or whatever like just that just a terry toweling baby blue onesie yeah like it's just looks comfortable
0: he, i mean he does look comfortable <laughs> um particularly when i uh, you know he 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 finds I've, I've written down gold paint as my next thing but there's the game that he plays he plays gin with some unsuspecting patsy who he oh i cheeks- guess ah, every day absolutely and it's such a good and this is the thing they really establish goldfinger's character very quickly mm. very early and in very completely so you know this is a guy who's super rich but he's obsessed with winning he can't bear the thought of losing so he just cheats with absolutely no remorse no compunction he has a compulsion to cheat without compunction i think that's what i'm trying to say I think I'm supposed to be a writer who understands English, but who knows? Um, Bond then is told by Felix Leiter, you've got to keep an eye on this guy. So he goes to see what's happening with this game, works out that Goldfinger is cheating. And then what does he do? Immediately rocks up to his suite, takes the key off a a nice hotel maid to open it up, saying, you're very sweet. Goes in, immediately... Then just screws with Goldfinger.
1: Yeah, like instantly after being told this is the guy you have to like track and he's the focus <laughs> of our mission, he's like, I'm just gonna fuck with him for a bit.
0: Yeah, and his voice is very distinctive. Yes, I know, I know. <laughs> and he's like, now li- now, now here, this, this, Goldfinger. Finger. Now hear this, Goldfinger. You're going to stop this and you're going to start losing, let's say $50,000. And then he just proceeds to mac on. With <laughs> Jill Masterson, and it's never really explained. Oh, he talks about having dinner in the best place in the house, so one assumes they move hotel rooms to his room. And I suppose he doesn't. Oh, are, know we,
1: are we one thousand percent sure that that wasn't a very subtle double entendre, or
0: oh, was he? You think he is referring to his magic penis?
1: I, I don't know. Who knows? Okay,
0: well, look, <laughs> everything Bond says in this movie really is a That's reference it. to his magic penis. But and they don't know, I suppose, at this point that Goldfinger is dangerous. But he's been given a job by MI6, who, <laughs> for, as a spy, to keep an eye on a guy. Maybe don't just totally fuck with him from the start and make off with his girl Friday, who he yeah. paid yeah. to make him look like he's got a sexual interest in anything other than gold. <laughs> well, actually, and- yeah,
1: you—that's you, a very good point. In that, like, in the last two films. And it's really interesting watching this film after watching the previous two. Like I think this is the this is the first, definitely the first time I've ever done that, where I've watched you know Doctor No from Russia with Love and then Goldfinger, and that's the order that they came out in, and they came out one year apart, 1962, 63, 64. Unlike the previous two films where Bond is actually a semi competent spy, this is the first film, and this is some this is a trend that continues right through the rest of the series, where Bond just follows his dick and his id. Like, he just, he just goes around, like, just doing whatever the hell he wants, <laughs> screwing with whoever he wants, like, just, you know what I mean? Like, like it, it's impossible to imagine the James Bond of Doctor No doing what James Bond in this movie does. And
0: it's only two years gone. It's
1: only two years gone. Like, we are three films in, there's one movie between them, and suddenly he's become this insane raging id monster. <laughs> he just does whatever he wants in this movie. <laughs> He really does. Like it
0: just it's just he just The only tools good thing around. Is, is that there are consequences. And that's
1: there are that's that's the right,
0: redeeming. Yeah. That's the redeeming feature is that Bond fucks up, but there are consequences to that. He doesn't just get out of it scot free. Cool. He goes and has the meeting with M and they talk about gold. Weirdly enough, that guy who plays the Bank of England guy. I remember going. I know him from somewhere. I know him. This is you know how your mind just makes weird connections and you can remember people from places. He was subsequently in episodes of Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister. He was the guy who they made the chair of the Bank of England because he was an old boring fart who just did whatever he was told. Oh right, okay, yeah. This is a weird side tangent, but I just remember seeing him going, "Oh, that's that guy," and I was just looking him up before. His name is Richard Vernon which isn't that the name of that American actor who was in The Breakfast Club? Anyway, it said that because he went bald and kind of looked old quite young, like he was in his 30s but looked way older. So he started playing kind of landed country gentlemen and old established types uh, and establishment types. And so he was only maybe just under 40 in this film. What? Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> he looks way that, older. That man is seventy years old.
0: <laughs> yeah, but this is the thing. He got to he got to his mid thirties apparently and ended up looking that old. So that's the type of just like looked into the Ark of the made. Covenant? Like what, what yeah. happened to him? Yeah. He just went he went prematurely sort of bald and old and grew a mustache and then oh. went, Yep, I'm playing everyone's seventy year old doddering. <laughs> kind of establishment guy drinking wine and smoking cigars. But the other thing about age that I, I found out inevitably just looking through stuff on Goldfinger was, so this Felix Leiter is a different Felix Leiter to Dr. No. Dr. No yes, it was played yes, by absolutely. Jack Lord and this guy, it's played by another guy whose name, I can't, it's like Cow or something. And he decided that he would play the role kind of that slightly older colleague to Bond Someone who's, you know, a contemporary, but just that little bit older, a bit more experienced. How old do you reckon he is in this film? Oh, like, God. You... is this another thing? Well, no, no, no. I was
1: going to say. So the, the thing that I found really interesting is that in the first movie he's played by Jack Lord, who obviously yeah. is a is a handsome, you know, virile young man. And then like this guy comes along, it's like Jesus, Felix got it down. Has what's been happening to Felix yeah. between films?
0: And my point here is, Stu, this guy is a year younger than Jack Lord. What? In real life, that is insane. Yeah. So how how old was
1: he? Like in his in his like late thirties, early forties.
0: Hang on, let me look. His name was C E C. I don't know how to pronounce that. Linda. Cess, I guess. Cess, Cess Linda. Cess, Linda, like Cecil, I suppose. Like Cecil, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay. He was born in 1921, so that would make him 43 around that age when okay. he played. Okay. I mean, like, a- I
1: buy him as a 43 year old. Yeah. But, which means like, the fact that he's a year younger than Jack Lord is yeah, the nuts.
0: Yeah, which makes Jack Lord, like, 40, 41 when he played Felix Leiter. Right. Sure. <laughs> but, yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Um, so, back to my list. Sorry, I'm diverging, but I just think this stuff is really interesting. No, no, that
1: was amazing.
0: I also wrote down golf game because I love the oh, golf yes. game. And, and this is the thing. He turns up. Bond turns up. They give him the Nazi gold bullion. <laughs> which I, lo- I just love that as a touch that you know it's nazi nazi gold that puts it in a
1: weird, there's weird context around that now though because like gert frobe was in the nazi party like yeah, but he quit
0: before the war no,
1: no, i know i know but like imagine imagine from his perspective like you know they like he's been he's lived through world war ii as like a former nazi helped like jewish people uh in occupied uh europe and then, like years later, is playing a villain who is like happily accepting Nazi gold. It's just weird. It's a weird yeah sort of context to it. I don't know. That's, he I that, that, have had yeah. to have
0: sessions with his psychotherapist at the time. <laughs> Probably yes. So they were all doing psycho. They were all doing like Freudian analysis in the sixties. That was what was huge. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so they give him the 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 gold bait to dangle in front of Goldfinger at the golf club, and he said. <laughs> Like, watching it again, it's like, oh, it's so obvious. And he says, uh, he, he goes to play with his normal golfing partner who says, oh, I've got a friend who's just dropped in who's the same handicap as you. Maybe you'd like to play with him. And he looks at Bond <laughs> and says, how do you do? And Bond goes, how do you do? And it's like, oh, that's the guy who just <laughs> screwed well, what up. what I love. <laughs> like, how I, could you not recognize that voice?
1: I did love that uh, the movie kind of has Goldfinger instantly click.
0: Yes. It like does. I
1: did love She's... that. I, I love that like Bond thinks he's being all like surreptitious and haha, like I'm a spy. And Goldfinger's like, oh, this is that asshole who like screwed me over in, in Miami. Yeah. Like it's it's he instantly knows who it is. Like thus starting the run of James Bond being the worst spy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> That's mean. I won't have it. He, he's the
1: worst spy, Natalie.
0: He's a great spy.
1: From now on, like, I've been surprised in the last two films. He's been actually pretty competent. But this movie and onwards, he is the worst spy. <laughs> well,
0: we'll have to have words, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> Thank goodness we've got a podcast. To Thank
1: talk goodness about. we have a podcast to hash it out.
0: What I love about the golf game is that Bond, having known that he's a cheater from Miami, Mm. pretty quickly goes this guy's probably going to cheat to win this gold bar and then he has and again lovely little characters his caddy hawker i think his name is oh yeah great great little little,
1: great little minor character
0: great little minor character who just totally goes let's screw with this guy let's really (laughs)
1: the the caddy's (laughs) the one who suggested he's like hey let's let's screw this guy over
0: yeah, and, and he says, let's have a little bit of fun with Mr. Goldfinger. And he's just like, I am on board for this. Yeah, clearly, had, This is fantastic. He's had to caddy for this guy before. or Well, not caddy for him, but caddy for someone else who's playing him. And he's like, this guy's a dick. Um, <laughs> let's give him a taste of his own medicine. And so by the end, and Bond is doing the whole, because he switches out the balls, and at the end, he, you know, goes, Oh, you've he, he deliberately misses his shot because it's Bond. You know that he would have been able to make that last putt. But he misses, so Goldfinger <laughs> thinks he's one and then he goes, Oh, but here's my ball, and this is a Slice and just seven and you play a and one and you must have picked up the wrong ball. And and I suppose we're sp- playing strict rules, so that means you lose the, the um the green does it, does hole. Mean, oh, I think around. that means you uh, you lose the yeah. match. Uh yeah. And so <laughs> Goldfinger knows that Bond has cheated to get him out, but he can't do anything about it because he was cheating first.
1: That's right, yes,
0: And exactly. so he, he still pays the money. He still writes Bond a cheque for £5,000, which we don't know what Bond does with. I mean, Bond uh, trousers
1: that, absolutely. Like, Bond, <laughs> Bond just takes that. that. That's just a perk.
0: But he doesn't have a chance to cash it or anything and, and his car ends up getting crashed and, and knocked off uh, in Switzerland so one assumes or, or maybe Goldfinger just cancels the, the check or something um, but I love the fact that he just still goes yes I'll pay you because it's that whole like big dick move of like yeah. you cheated but I was cheating let's not make a fuss about it uh, I don't want to see you again this is twice now and Bond's like twice what do you mean and he's like you know what I mean take your money <laughs>
1: And this is the first time we meet Odd uh, Oddjob. Oh,
0: Odd job. Just mwah.
1: I mean the, I just... the platonic ideal of the Bond henchman.
0: He is so great. And I was doing a bit <laughs> I was doing a bit of research on Harold Sakata, who plays Oddjob. He was actually Hawaiian of Japanese descent. Right. So okay. there's, there's a fairly strong Japanese, I guess, um, population in Hawaii. So he yes. sort of belonged okay. to that. He became a weightlifter and a professional wrestler. Oh, and they, okay. Well, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Apparently, he was like super skinny as a young guy and was like, oh, I, I look like a, a, a you know, 90-pound weakling or whatever it is. And he started lifting weights and then he just totally bulked up.
1: I mean, yeah, <laughs> he certainly did.
0: He won a silver medal for the United States at the 1948 Summer Olympics in London. And then they found him, I think, on a TV show or something. They found him and they were like, that guy looks cool. And he had never done any acting, you know, apart from wrestling, whatever you consider wrestling to be. Um, But but they were like, well, that's okay because – he doesn't need to speak. He just has to kind of, and he had this, like, good stare. So they just really, you know, picked the best guy. And he – apparently he, he – in that final scene where Bond electrocutes him in Fort Knox, and we'll, you know, get to obviously the resolution of the film, but he was um, burnt because there were sparks and stuff flying around. He was oh. actually burnt, but he was holding onto his hat in the grates. Because he'd been told, you know, when I say cut is when you can let go, and so he was holding on, and his hand was burning. But the director had oh cut, and he was like, "No, I'll keep holding my hand, <laughs> keep holding that." Oh wow! And
1: the director
0: yelled cut, and he was like, "Oh, can I get um some Savlon, um maybe some water?" <laughs> <laughs> like what a champion! Was he um, okay? yeah yeah yeah. he was fine he was fine but you know he he, you know ended up fine but yeah just uh, like one of those things where he didn't have the experience on set to go oh if there's something going wrong I should probably stop and point that out yeah
1: that's right he was
0: like oh well I've just got to keep going until they get the shot until it says cut you know (laughs) wow and also he was obviously a unit he absolutely is. He's a hard, like he is. There's heft to him, like there he is.
1: The, he's a solid lump of a man. It's fantastic. The way
0: the way his suit just kind of strains against <laughs> his chest and his upper and his back, you know, it's just. And like, they never
1: they never take the opportunity to have him take his shirt off because, like, presumably, like you know, if this if this movie was being made today, although, oh, that's not not totally true because I guess uh, Dave Batista doesn't uh, take his shirt off. In uh, Spectre, he's uh, he's very very much a spiritual successor to to Oddjob.
0: I'd totally forgotten he was in that film. Wow. Well, on his Wikipedia page, you can see a picture of him from his wrestling days, and he just looks like those wrestlers who were big guys, right? And and big muscles, but not like super ripped abs. You know, the the whole yeah, not
1: really, not really cut. Like he's just a big solid man.
0: Big muscly solid you know wall of a man <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah and he really took to odd job he even called his middle name for a while he was credited as harold Oddjob job as like an informal middle name and then the, the funniest thing here <laughs> he was in a movie called impulse in 1974 opposite william shatner and guess what his character's name was <laughs>
1: Oh, God, what? I,
0: I want you to think of a martial art and then a one-syllable name and put them together and see how you go.
1: Oh, God, what? What? Just
0: think of a martial art. Just think of yep. a martial art. Yeah. And then think of a one-syllable male first name and then put
1: Karate them together.
0: Karate Joe? Oh, my God, you're so close. Karate yeah. Pete.
1: Karate Pete, okay.
0: <laughs> isn't that the best name?
1: Karate oh, Pete.
0: You're playing opposite William Shatner. You're going to be Karate Pete.
1: <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. So he. But yes, and, no.
1: Really good. Really good character. Really, really well played. And, uh, lo- love his and, hat.
0: I mean, that's the first time we see a villain with this with a quirk. I don't know what's the word I'm thinking of. Like with a with like a, tick. a gimmick. A gimmick. A gimmick. A gimmick. Yeah. A, a henchman with a gimmick, and parodied obviously brilliantly in Austin Powers with random task. Random task. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. Yes, yeah. exactly. Who, who throws his shoe? Who throws, his <laughs> shoe. throws his shoe. Throws a shoe.
1: Oh, I had completely forgotten about that. That's fantastic.
0: Yeah, and of course, then in gold member is is
1: yes, the obviously. third
0: Austin Powers, which is not great. I love gold. I love gold. I'm taking the Mickey out of Gert Frobe there. So back to my list. Oh, my God. I was like, so bad. I'm glad we have a loose structure. It's just oh, supposed yeah. to be a loose structure, um, Stu. So I had Odd Job Hat, the golf game. Then I skipped ahead because I was running out of time. Do you expect me to talk? No, Mr. Yes. Bond. I expect you to die.
1: <laughs> what Ugh. an incredible line. What well, What I love is that. In context, like, like that, that line has been sort of taken out of context a lot, and it, it has become a bit of a cliche. But in context, like, it's, it's actually a really cool line. Yes. <laughs> like, it just shows that, like, you know, Goldfinger is not messing around. He's like, no, 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 I have you strapped to a table and... An industrial strength laser is slowly making its way towards your magic penis and um this isn't like an interrogation i'm going to kill you i'm just taking my time because i'm a psychopath
0: you've now run into me three times and because i think i'm not sure if it's in the film but i think it's from the book where fleming writes the first time is happenstance the second is coincidence the third time is enemy action And I've always loved that quote. It's Is that from from this book? I think it's from Goldfinger, the book. I will have to double check that. I could be wrong. Feel free to call in if you do have any um, knowledge on that quote. But I believe it is a Fleming quote. And it's true. Once in Miami, twice in the golf course, third time rocks up at his special auric factory in Geneva. Yes. Well, outside Geneva in, in the hills of Switzerland somewhere. So and, and that's the thing, it's like I don't need you. You're just here to to die. And and in terms as we're talking parodies, we should mention Hank Scorpio from the oh, Simpsons. Yes. <laughs> I think that's regularly voted as like one of the best Simpsons episodes of all time. Like it's constantly so there in top five lists of Best Simpsons episodes. And the whole gimmick is is what if Homer became a henchman for an international supervillain who happens to just be <laughs> a really great boss. Really nice That's guy. It? Such um, a great episode. And at one point he has a Bond-like character strapped to a table with the laser heading for his crotch.
1: Mm-hmm. The
0: Bond character escapes and Homer accidentally just manages to clock him.
1: Well, he then, um, he, someone said he he goes, somebody stop him, and he just like tackles him, yeah, and then henchmen come in and just shoot him while he's lying he's on the ground.
0: Like, he's like, thanks, homie, you did a good job. While well, the guy's just being peddled and machine <laughs> <on fire>. gun <laughs> It's just, I mean, and that's the thing. It's in in this show, there are a number of elaborate ways to try to kill Bond.
1: Well, it's, like, it's the first, it's the very first death trap.
0: Yeah, it's, but the, I mean, he could have just had odd job. He, odd job knocks Bond out in Miami. He could have just killed him. Like, if, if Goldfinger is as ruthless as he turns out to be, and he finds his his golden girl in bed with this guy, who's obviously mm. screwed him over in the game, he could have just put a bullet in his head, killed That's her, right. and all of a sudden they've got a you know a murder-suicide or something. But it's like a warning because of that whole, like, ah. Yeah,
1: exactly. It's like, ah.
0: Uh. You're my enemy. This is a game. We must dance. Um
1: <laughs> And they do treat it like that. Actually, now that you mention that, I, I just wanted to bring up, this is something like I meant to bring up in the Doctor No episode and that I meant to circle back to it last week and I forgot about it again. But you've just pointed out that this is the first death trap that, that we've ever seen in, in, a, in a Bond film where he's strapped to a, a table and a laser is, is slowly moving its way towards him. It's absolutely a death trap. But we actually see a death trap in Doctor No, it just doesn't happen to Bond, it happens to Honey Rider, who for absolutely no reason is like chained to the floor of a sloping, I guess it must be a boat ramp or something, and the yeah, water yeah, yeah. like the water is coming in. I guess that's supposed to be like some weird, like slow death for her, and Bond just comes out. like it, it, they don't make a big deal out of it, but they just sort of, he appears, Honey Rider is chained to the floor of like a sloping boat ramp with the water rising, And he just just undoes her and and they get out of there. But there's this this weird little precursor to what would become a staple of these Bond films, which is like Honey Rider was in a death trap.
0: Yes. And in the novels, because I was reading up on that, in the novel of Dr. No, she's actually in a pit. I think she might still be tied down but they were going to have her, like, the reason she's in the water there is that the crabs come in and, like, the whole idea is that the crabs are going to eat her alive or something. Right,
1: okay, yes. I and mean, I, that's I, even
0: more Bond. Yes, except in the books it's a bit of an anti because Bond sort of unties her and then she says something like, oh, it's fine, they just tickle. She's Honey Rider. She's familiar with sea creatures. Right. Yes, exactly, of course. They obviously think that the crabs will eat her, but she's like, oh, no, I'll be fine. It's probably the rising water that's, you know, maybe that's why the film went, oh, we'll go with the rising water. That's more of a threat than, than the crab." I don't know, but yeah, but she is, yeah. So the idea of an elaborate death, you don't, and, and again, Austin Powers parodies that by having Seth Green, Scott yeah. Evil, say, look, I'll go get a gun. Let's shoot him together. It'll be nice. <laughs> we'll it'll be, be yeah, a father-son activity. We'll just pull it a bullet in his brain now. And he's like, no, Scott, we must do this my way. An <laughs> elaborate, and easily escapable situation. <laughs> How about
1: no, Scott?
0: Yeah. <laughs> After, I every time... I do uh, sort of research on this, particularly after writing the first um, Dr. No recap and going and finding a bunch of Austin Powers clips. I just ended up in a YouTube Austin Powers loop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like best Dr. Evil quotes and the, you know, shh, want a bag of shh, shh, zip it, zip it, zip <laughs> it good. It, it, yeah, it's very good. But back to my list, which I'm almost at the end of, I have Pussy Galore and Her Flying Circus. Just and Anna Blackman, of course, only recently just, just left us. Yes, and yeah, yeah. she is mwah, so good. <laughs> and what I love about her is that she, I think she was like 37, 38 when she made this I, film. I looked this up. Yeah, yeah. She's
1: she's about, she's actually the same age as Sean Connery. So which is, yeah, so, so mid-30s, I think.
0: And that's, you know, amazing. Because everyone else is, you know, 20. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, most of the other Bond girls are like 18. <laughs> and,
0: and this Ugh. is a, a convincingly independent DGAF woman. Absolutely. And I love the bit where her flying circus and, and Bond sees her flying circus up over the the sky when they get to Kentucky, and it's like, oh, very talented chaps. And she's like, they should be. I taught them. And then they all land and they get out and they're all incredibly hot, and all attractive blonde blonde,
1: with blonde women. women. Yeah. And she I has just a type.
0: at the time, you know, watching it now, you're kind of like yeah you know how patronizing that he just go with bomb but he probably most people probably would assume that pilots would be men back then so maybe if you were like a young girl watching this film and all of a sudden it was like oh my god all the pilots are women like that would have been pretty cool i was trying to put myself back into the mindset of
1: it's like a moment of it's a moment of empowerment
0: yeah or at least like oh wow there's all these chicks who are flying planes and you know part of a flying circus obviously part of a you know super villain plan
1: part of a super villain plan to, to <laughs> nerve gas a, a small american town
0: they're still empowered and it's a yeah and we'll get to we'll get to pussy galore and discuss her in more detail but i'll just finish my lift because i i wanted to mention two things left on my list was the villainous plan which we can talk oh, about yes 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 <laughs> Intensely elaborate villain's plan and his description, his presentation of his plan, and then the Aston Martin was the last thing I wrote. And re-watching this film, my heart just, like, skipped when I saw that car.
1: I mean, it's like it's James Bond's Batmobile is Uh, what it is.
0: It just – because he says, like, what happened to my Bentley? And he's like, no, M's orders, it's outdated, like his Beretta in the first film. Yeah, that's it and just bond being really
1: attached to like shit that like we we don't care about it's like no 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 you get you get your gun you get your car
0: and i i don't have an attachment to cars really i think cars are they're they're fine they're functional but i don't have sort of an intense oh god that car is beautiful i appreciate there's workmanship and engineering in them great but the aston martin is the one car that i'm like if i ever get rich and win the lotto and want to buy something intensely (laughs) frivolous Yes. I'm buying an Aston Martin. Like, like that's. Like,
1: specifically great. a DB5 or.
0: I mean, if I could track one down, sure. Because <laughs> that's got that classic retro Bond, you know, classy as fuck feel to it. But even just a modern Aston Martin, like, I would. It is well, the car for
1: me. Some of, the, some of the modern Aston Martin cars are very nice. So you wouldn't be going wrong.
0: That's what I mean. Like, it's a prestige vehicle, Stu. Absolutely. And what I love is that they did a deal with BMW for Goldeneye. And I yeah,
1: think. Yeah, for all of the Prosna.
0: Yeah, I think they went back to Aston Martin for Die Another Day because it was the 20th anniversary. But, yeah, in the first one they're like, hey, here's your BMW, James. Look at all this stuff. And then they never use it. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's just like, whatever, we don't care.
0: It's never used in battle. <laughs> but, yeah, so that was my list due. Aston Martin is uh, – And well, then also
1: um, during the um during the Roger Moore era, he's driving Lotuses for oh, a while. Oh, the
0: Lotus. Yes. Oh, yeah, the Lotus from uh, The Spy Who Loved Me.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, lots of lots of car talk in the in the future, I imagine. Um, uh, so that, that's your list. You're all that's my list. That's your list. You, yeah. You've said nearly everything on my list as well. So that's good. Saves us time. But I, I did have I did have the car, the DB5 on my list, which was, um, yeah, like when it, when it showed up, you're right. Like, like it's like it's like a beloved character. Like, when it showed up, I'm like, oh, yes, this car. Because this is the car with the ejector seat. Yes! It's like, it's a fully tricked-out spy car. They go from a briefcase in From Russia With Love to a fully decked-out spy car in (laughs) Goldfinger. You know, like, it's just such a step up. It's like, nothing is more indicative of the step up from From Russia With Love to Goldfinger than that. In From Russia With Love, he gets a suitcase with some (laughs) coins and a knife, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and in this one, he gets a fully tricked out super spy car. It's fantastic.
0: Bulletproof everything. Bulletproof
1: and, glass. Yeah. Machine guns that come out. He's got an ejector seat. He's even got like a Roman Coliseum, like racing style uh, spikes that... that wreck other people's cars smoke screens are oh, awesome so and good you see them all used yes yeah they, you know, they're set up and then they and then they use them
0: yeah they're all deployed yeah. throughout the switzerland sequence <laughs>
1: you,
0: yeah you see him use them all and it's intensely satisfying you know when the ejector seat he's driving the car back after he gets yeah. pulled up in the in the forest near the factory and he has to drive the car back first of all who lets him drive the car back?
1: <laughs> I know that seems that seems a bit seems a bit careless on that it's guy's not, part. I think he maybe deserved
0: to get The Conversation going. Uh, I'll drive. No, I think. Why don't you just let me drive? I'm look. I know it's a very tricky car. Oh, I'll drive it back. I just I'm trying not to get it ruined. Do you understand insurance premiums? <laughs> I'm the only one covered to drive it under insurance. Like, you just let me. <laughs> You've literally seen the car raise a shield to protect itself from bullets. You don't think there'd be some funny – no, 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 no. Just take the passenger seat. It'll be fine. You can just keep the gun on me. It's totally fine. Oh, no, absolutely. Swear to God, I've used all of the tricks already. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely no more secret buttons in this thing. I promise. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And what had happened if the guy? What had happened if the guy had gone? I'll sit in the back seat and just keep a gun to your temple, sort of thing, <laughs> to the back of your head. He's like, "Hey, you sure you don't want to come sit in the passenger seat? It'll be re- the view is much better. It's, it's got a, lot a seat more comfortable. Yeah, it's got a seat warmer. Your butt will be nice and toasty." <laughs> Um, so good. So let's talk about some concepts. We've been going for about an hour just on all of our recollections of the film, but <laughs> I've been talking heaps of bollocks. What What are some things that you noticed about this film or what are some takeaways?
1: Yeah, yeah well, I mean, obviously, so there was the spy car I and, and to jump off that cue. Shows up again uh, in the film, which is great, Desmond Llewellyn. Proper cue this time, too. Like, he's not just handing over a briefcase.
0: And again... Uh, he's I, like,
1: now pay attention, 007.
0: Yes, and I think this this is down to the director, Guy Hamilton, again, who told Desmond Llewellyn, you know, let's bring a bit more humour into the scene, and that, that's what resulted in getting that banter.
1: We also get a, uh, the MI6 version of Spectre Island with the walk and talk, with everyone doing, like, some weird crap in the background. Yes. Yes. which is great, just great. People with flamethrowers, people shooting things. One guy shoots another guy, and then he takes off his coat. He's like, I was wearing a bulletproof vest. Yes. Ha. <laughs> ah, oh, so good.
0: Weirdly enough, I happen to be watching, not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I had an intense yearning to watch the opening pre-credit sequence of Goldeneye the other day.
1: Oh, right, after we talked about it.
0: After we talked about it, and I watched it, and then that led me, as YouTube often does, it pops up other suggestions, and it popped up Bond and Q in Goldeneye. And it's so similar to that Goldfinger one to the point where, you know how Bond, Sean Connery is like fidgeting with some things and Q's like, don't touch that. Like, Pierce Brosnan is doing the same thing with I'm, Desmond I'm Lord.
1: sure it was an homage. I mean, this is the yeah. thing. Like From now on, the Bond franchise becomes intensely self-referential in a very interesting you way.
0: think so, from this early?
1: What I mean is, like, this is the movie that everyone calls back to. You don't see a lot of Bond movies calling back to stuff in... I was going to say Dr. No, but, but the one exception to that is obviously The the White Bikini, yes. which gets... That, that moment gets recycled a couple of different times <laughs> and a couple of different ways. But other than that, I think there's very little... From the two, the first two Bond movies that really gets referenced going forward, but this movie gets strip mined for for references in the later Bond movies. There's so much in this movie that then is is threaded throughout the rest of the series, and it's so it's so interesting to see it happen in context the first time without right. sort of all the other movies following on from it. It's really interesting. But, yeah, no, no, Desmond LeMondon's really fun as Q. He's got some old stuff, and, and he, ha- he has that. I mean, again, I, I can't remember. This is obviously the first time he says it, but, like, you know, he's said it before. He's like, you're joking. He's like, I never joke about my work 007. Yeah. You know, it's just great. I love it. And, I love it. And
0: things, Bond looks suitably chastised as that moment. Yeah, that that that's kind it, of, exactly. Oh, okay, I better <laughs> shut the fuck up. yeah um. <laughs> It's great because Desmond Llewellyn is famously a very non-tech savvy and I think virtually Oh, you see, I didn't know that. Oh, there's rarely an interview you'll find where he doesn't mention the fact that he has no idea what he's talking about as cute. Oh, right, okay. Like all of the the techno babble. He doesn't get it. He never got it, but he has to act convincing and remember the words. And I think it's funny when he's doing stuff with the car. There's a lot of like cut shots where he's sort of pointing at things, but you don't see him in the shot.
1: Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then they cut to they cut to a random hand model. To... Yeah.
0: They cut to a hand pointing at the you know the the driver's side. Um, uh, what's the thing in the middle of the car? God, words! Now oh, the, the,
1: the steering, like the the gear stick.
0: Yeah, or the gear yeah. stick, the the bank in the middle where all of the controls are. The armrest. The armrest, Rest,
1: okay, yeah.
0: Console. He pulls it up to point out where the, you know, you get reception for your little thing. I, I
1: I didn't notice that in the moment, but now that you pointed out, yeah, absolutely. He's he's saying lines, and then they'll cut to a hand. Yes. Like this pointing. So,
0: He's, he's obviously able to record that later, just reading from the thing convincingly. <laughs> and not to ruin it, but in the clip that I was watching of Goldeneye, you can actually see him, and I never noticed this before, but on the, the smaller screen closer up, you can see him look over Pierce Brosnan's shoulder to obviously somebody standing there with the lines on a big bit of cardboard.
1: Oh, really?
0: His his eyeline kind of drifts from looking directly at Pierce, but they've set up the shot so... <laughs> And I never noticed it until this time that I just watched it, you know, a few days ago. And I went, he's looking at lines off screen. like he's... Yeah,
1: he's, he's reading off cue cards.
0: And, of course, he was a lot older by then, so he probably yeah, had. They're making some... it
1: easy for him. He, he, yeah. he was a venerable institution at that point.
0: That's right. And they've set the shot up so that it looks like they're looking directly at each other. But you can see Desmond Llewellyn's eyeline just drift off. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, so what do, what do you think of the plot of this film? That, that...
1: Well, I was going to say, so that, that's my next point. So uh, The Brilliant Plan by Aura Goldfinger. I love that Bond thinks it's brilliant. Like, he has a certain professional, like, appreciation for, for what Goldfinger's doing when he when he figures it out. Yes. And, and Goldfinger's obviously pleased that Bond thinks it's it's cool. You know what I mean? Like, they have a little mutual sort of appreciation for each other's craft.
0: Yes. I quite like. It's, a yeah. very civil,
1: it's that, that level of, like, civilized brutality that, that uh, a lot of the, the the Bond movies sort of revel in. Honor, uh, I really like that.
0: They're among scoundrels, sort of.
1: Exactly, thing. exactly. Yeah, it's very good, very good. As far as the plan goes, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I mean, it's it's nonsense. It's it's Everything about it is complete nonsense, but it's like, okay, I guess he's going to contaminate America's gold supply so that his gold
0: becomes more valuable. Funnily enough, I believe that was a change from the book because I think, yeah, I think in the book he actually does plan to steal them. He plans oh. to steal the gold. Oh. Okay. And obviously, when they get they get the script treatment, they do the same sums that they have Bond do, which is you're never going to be able to do all that in two hours.
1: Yeah, I guess it's one but thing that's... it's one thing to say it on the page, but it's another thing to film people loading box after box of gold
0: bars. Yes, yes. So And then the concept that he nukes it, it also gives an incredibly high-stakes ending for Bond to be tied to a nuclear device and have it tick down uh, to the final few seconds, which, by the way, was actually three seconds because he says to Felix Leiter or he says to someone, like, another three ticks and... Uh, oh, what did he say? Another three ticks and something, something, something. But, of course, they decided to stop it at 007, so that was a different shot inserted later. But he actually oh, said... Really?
1: Well, they were going to have it stop at 003.
0: Yeah, yeah, like three seconds to go. That doesn't, mean, then, that doesn't make any sense. some bright spark went, why don't yeah. we have it stop at 007? Because then that's, geeks. like, funny. They'd already filmed the, the piece, so they had him say uh, three more clicks and it would have been something doomsday or whatever he says i can't remember
1: well <laughs> when you think about it like seven seconds to go is a strange number if if it's not 007 do you know what i mean like like you know you you, right. you leave it to two or one second left yes is more uh so i guess three they were probably thinking oh it's it's you know suspenseful but it's like yeah of course it's 007 you have three numbers i, I thought that was why they had the three like timers counting down.
0: No, it happened the other way. Make Like,
1: how weird? How weird that that only occurred to them like after they filmed it.
0: Somehow later in the process that they went, ah, oh, it could be double O seven. Wouldn't yeah, that be three?
1: There's three there. It could be double O They, they yes. also he also refers, and I, I didn't have this on my list, but it just occurred to me. Um, he refers to another double agent in this one.
0: Yes, 008
1: 008 He says if if I if I don't report in, 008 replaces me. Mm. which I think is the first time they've mentioned that there's other 00 agents. I mean, we've sort of assumed that they're, you know, he's 007. There's assumably 001 through 6 at least. But, yeah, like the idea that there's other 00 agents out there that who could do the job just as well, and I wonder what's happening with them.
0: Yeah, well, what are the other ones? I know that, obviously, Alec Trevelyan in uh, GoldenEye is 006. In Octopussy, I think he's investigating 009's murder, but that's it. You can't have 0010 or can you, Make, I mean, you they can, do but, sort of... but can you imagine had it not been double I mean,
1: it's like... o, it's 010 you you're in binary by that point <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> no well, it would be 0010 <laughs> yes yeah yeah 0010 <laughs> <Are>
1: you're
0: starting <laughs> to get, starting to get like a phone number um <laughs> i wonder about the process that ian fleming went through to get come up with 007 cuz can you imagine had he picked 005 and we'd all be going welcome 005 and we'd all be going oh 005 So cool. But it just doesn't seem cool. Only 007 sounds...
1: Only 007. 007 sounds right. And is that because it's the best possible combination of sounds and numbers? Or is it because we've just heard it for 60 years? That's
0: right. And we were like, ah, 002. (laughs) (laughs) Just sounds wrong. 004. Just doesn't sound right. Anyway uh (laughs) i'm just pondering
1: (laughs) no no it's really interesting it's the sort of thing that comes up when you're watching these films in order things like that leap out at you where you where you're like that they hadn't figured that out yet this film is where they figure it out like basically everything
0: So we have, just going sort of through the plot, we have the um, pre-credit sequence with shocking. Absolutely shocking. Shocking. Just shocking. (laughs) Which, to me, is kind of that first true Bond pun. It's not the first first, but that super cheesy, totally appropriate, it's one word, you know, he's just electrocuted a guy in the bath. What else can he say but shocking? Shocking. Shocking.
1: He also uses uh, the woman as a human shield in that uh, scene, which is hilarious. Well, which actually, I mean, like, I, I I have less of a problem with that weirdly than a lot of the other stuff that happens, just because Bond is ruthless. Like we know that, and yeah. so if stuff if something's going down and he thinks he's been betrayed or that his life is in danger, he will just you know use the the girl that he was going to have sex with as a human shield. And like that's that's who he is.
0: But yeah, I mean, clearly there's a guy hiding in her cupboard, so you know, she knows he's there. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And
1: I think Bon Bond sort of realizes what's going on at the last minute. It's weirdly shot in a way that maybe wouldn't happen if they were doing it today, where he just he just spins her around and she takes the punch. Yes. <laughs> you know?
0: But it, again it gets her out of the way for a fight. It does. You
1: know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Like
0: I see the the narrative reason for it. Yeah. But the other thing about that is that he goes to the bar after the thing and and looks at his watch just as the oil tanks explode behind him and everyone freaks out and, of course, he's super chill, walks up to the bar, gets a drink and, obviously, his contact goes, well done, 007, you know, just spy stuff. Like
1: something that could have been the plot of an entire previous film. Yes. To the point where, like, you know, like like we've seen two previous films where that would have been a film. Yes. And in this movie, it's the cold open.
0: It's just a... And this is what I mean. To me, it has a, a slightly comic book effect of, you know, last episode or radio play. Kind
1: yeah, of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, last... last. Um, well,
0: last Met 007, he was blowing up oil tanks in... And they do do that for a lot of the cold opens where it's got nothing to do with the story that comes after.
1: Yeah, it's just Bond it's just doing a- Bond stuff
0: fun set piece it does start to be integrated more and more and i think sort of from the Brosnans, it's definitely integrated or even from the daltons it's integrated
1: Def- well definitely in the in the modern bonds they try to make it part of the plot and i've always i've always sort of missed the the, the- pure cold open where it's just a little mini adventure yeah and and then and then we we get the the credit sequence you know
0: and then he the little detail in that sequence again not to get too bogged down but i love when he says there's there's a plane leaving for miami in an hour and he says i'll be on it i've just got to take care of some unfinished business and that's when he goes to the girl's room and she's you know having a bath so he he goes in clearly to get a little bit of action before he gets back on a plane now (laughs) Again, it's just a weird amount of time. It's like I'll be on a plane in an hour, which means you need to be at an airport a reasonable <laughs> amount of time before your flight, even though they sure. probably didn't have to do full body scans or anything in 1964. And, I mean, but I imagine still, he's
1: not checking a bag. like
0: Yeah, you'd want to be there half an hour before, surely. Sure. <laughs> so really he's only got half an hour and in this time he's like well i'll just pop in and have some lovemaking time but that's not a great reflection on his do you know what i mean like i always feel like james <laughs> are,
1: are you saying are you saying the fact that he can uh, finish that that quickly is maybe well, not uh, doesn't reflect well on bond
0: at the end of dr no and at the end of this film he avoids being rescued because then he gets to shag on with the girl de jour you know, his, his whole thing is, well, let's go to a tropical paradise where no one will find us and shag for the next five weeks. <laughs> you know, that's kind of his his deal. Sure. But in this yes. one, it's like, I've just got some unfinished business. Unless the whole point was he knew someone was going to attack and he had to get revenge, which is probably the case. I'm I'm, I'm overthinking it. <laughs> I'm probably overthinking it. But he took his gun off. Oh, yeah,
1: no, no. He was he was absolutely going to and go and get laid before he caught his flight. That was yeah. that was
0: absolutely what was happening. But then that would have been a very, like, well, because in Dr. No, when he's shagging Miss Taro, like, they've been shagging all afternoon and then he just goes, oh, the ta- cab's on the way, but I can fit in another quick one. Like, that's Bond, the whole, like, hey, look, <laughs> we've had this languid afternoon and we've showered and changed and freshened up, but, hey, what the fuck, let's just go one more time. Um, <laughs> you know, I just, anyway, moving on. <laughs> um, <laughs> Do you think it's
1: somehow beneath him?
0: I just think it's a strange amount of time. It's like there'll be a plane to Miami in the morning. I'll be on it. Do you know what I mean? Yes, then you can go finish your business. And, you know, in in Dr. No, M says you've got a flight to catch at 7 a.m. And he gets back to his flat and he's like, oh, I've got to be up in three hours or whatever it is. And she's like, oh, and he goes, well, I suppose it's three hours. Do you know, there's some time there. Sure. some time for some good James Bond loving. I feel like an hour is a bit of an insult.
1: (laughs) Do you feel sorry for the girl that she wasn't getting, like, the full Bond?
0: That's right. Yeah, you want to (laughs) get some full Bond action, some blackmail sex tape worthy Bond action. (laughs) Anyway, I just have time to think about these things, clearly, in lockdown. (laughs) So, yes, then we have Miami. And we've talked about the, the cheating game and the, the fact that he then goes, well, I'll just go shag you, the woman you've been paying to help you cheat and expect no consequences for that. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be fine.
1: <laughs> Nothing bad ever happens when I have sex.
0: <laughs> the last time I was getting intimate with a lady, a man jumped out of her cupboard <laughs> and tried to kill me. And I had to sh- and, shove him and into And we a- hadn't
1: organised that ahead of time.
0: And we talked about uh, Sean Connery's romper, and then we talked about him going back to see M. And there's a lovely exchange with Money Penny where he yes, says, yeah, What do you know about gold? And she's like, Well, it's what you wear on the third finger of your left hand. <laughs> he's like, We must do something about that. And she's like, What about tonight? And he's like, Oh, I know I've got a date tonight. And she's like, Oh, well, who's the lucky girl? And then M buzzes in with, The lucky girl is me.
1: <laughs> lucky girl is me.
0: <laughs> I'm. Really, I'm, I'm I've got a renewed appreciation for Bernard um, Lee as M. Uh, yes, yeah. I didn't raise this last week in From Russia With Love, but when they're listening back to the tape <laughs> that, you know, Bond records Tatiana Romanova talking about the Lecter decoding machine yes. into his incredibly high-tech box brownie camera. <laughs> it's like literally <laughs> two big tapes and then like a power pack. <laughs> it's
1: <Yeah>. like so... <laughs> Like completely surreptitious, like, no one would guess.
0: Yeah, but at the time it would have been like, wow, how cool, a recorder in the size of a camera. That is, you know, I remember being at uni and using portable recorders that were still like the size of a laptop today. Sure, you know? yeah. And I'm not that old. Yeah. <laughs> But it cuts to M and a bunch of other officials listening back to the record and Money Penny's there as well. And then she says, Oh, am I more exciting than all those other girls? And he's like, Well, I remember when M and I were in Tokyo. Like he totally throws M in the shit. Probably not yeah, even no, true. But M still reacts really quickly, like just shut it down and go, Moneypenny, uh leave now.
1: Well, I love that I love that his reaction isn't to shut down the tape, it's to send Money Penny out of the room. Well,
0: that's right. Her delicate female sensibilities yeah, might so be offended. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they talk in the run, bank. come along
1: now, man talk.
0: Man talk. It's man talk. We should rename this podcast Man Talk with pod- Natalie and Stu. <laughs> man talk with one woman. And, uh, yeah, then they basically go straight to the golf game, which we've talked about, and then he follows Goldfinger to Sweden. So Goldfinger drives to the airport. Uh, Switzerland. Oh, yeah, sorry, Switzerland. Sorry. Uh, Sweden on the brain. And And this is a sequence I'd like to talk a bit about because it's very languid. It's just Bond driving his car behind Goldfinger's beautiful Phantom Rolls-Royce, whatever it is, he says it in the note, like, beautiful car. My God, the car's in this film. And he's literally just following him from a distance with the beep, beep, beep. And then there's this fantastic moment where a girl, Tilly Masterson, as we later discover, overtakes him. And he's like, beep, beep, beep. And he realises that there's this pretty girl
1: who's uh,
0: yes. <laughs> dropped in front of him. And, and there's this look of, like, engagement on his face. He goes yeah. from being like, I'm just driving a car, this is boring, to, aha, pray. You know, that, like, that spy <laughs> brain. Not sexual prey necessarily, but, oh, this is something interesting. This sure. is something, you know, for me to chase. He's got that like prey yes. drive
1: of, I, I, I know what you're talking about yes. I've
0: perked up but then he goes no no and he settles back and he says discipline double oh seven, 7 discipline,
1: discipline 007.
0: <laughs> and it's a lovely moment and then he stops to watch Goldfinger has a, a bit of a break you know looking out over a beautiful Swiss landscape I must go to Switzerland one day I, well, I he, st-
1: he stops to get food which I quite like because he's a big he's a big fat bastard and he, oh, um... I what he's doing <laughs> And he stops to get a snack. Like, there's a, there's people selling, like, apples oh, or something yeah, by the side of the road, Yeah, right. he stops
0: yeah, to yeah. get snack. And have a look at the view, and there's a few tourists there. Bond cool. is one level above him up the hill, and then above, above Hill is, as we find out later, Tilly Masterson, and she fires off. A couple of rounds or just one, I can't remember. And Goldfinger is like, ah, gets in the car, odd job, looks strangely kind of smug.
1: Yeah. He looks yeah. up. It's, and it's like, hard huh. to read what he's actually feeling in that scene.
0: You didn't get us. Ha ha ha. I'm just going to stand here looking up at you. Ha ha ha. <laughs> um, and Bond thinks he's been shot at and he waits. He His car, he kind of park, pulls his car into a little uh, lay by or whatever. And then she go- drives past and then he just zooms up after her and then runs her off the road with his wheel spikes <laughs> and it's like oh he got permission like he was able to chase her because yeah, he's like he, okay
1: it's part of it's part of the mission
0: now <laughs> it's part of the mission now she has involved herself yes and then he turns into like charming man by roadside going <laughs> oh, what happened to your car?
1: Oh, it looks like someone like, used a a car-based can opener she, to completely rip it to shreds.
0: And she's like, these are brand new tires and he's like, oh, it must be a defect of some sort. <laughs> yes, there's lots of lots of defects that cause sharp um tearing, ripping sort of uh, appearance in your tires and then she gives he she orders him to give a lift and he tries to be charming he tries to go my name's bond james and she's like no time to lose like she totally yeah. blanks him it's
1: great I, I really i really like that i like that the series is already undercutting itself like it's already like he goes to do his line and, yeah. and she's like whatever i don't care
0: well he did his line at the start with jill masterson
1: he did he did so, but you know he becomes a thing where it's like oh this is just a thing that he says and yeah. she's like no nah, no
0: nah, i'm not interested I don't have time for this, mate. So he takes her to a garage, and he, he kind of – he's trying to get information from her, and he, he picks up pretty quickly that she's not – she's lying about what she's doing there. He sees her her rifle case, which she says is for ice skates, and he, was, he says something like, lovely sport. <laughs> it's <laughs> kind of seedy the way he says it, lovely sport. Uh, <laughs> and then um, – he meets her again when he goes to spy on Auric Enterprises, the factory under cover of darkness, and then she rocks up uh, with her rifle and then triggers a what do you call it, a boundary alert. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: She hits a tripwire with the the um, top of her her rifle. What would you call that? The end bit of the not the muzzle. Uh, the muzzle. Muzzle. It is the muzzle. Hey, yeah. I was right. Good words. Or the, or the
1: barrel, the barrel.
0: End top of the barrel. Top of the barrel. The muzzle of the muzzle of the gun. See, Australia, don't know anything about guns. It's good.
1: <laughs> it's it's a good, it's a good problem to have.
0: Americans listening might be like, what? Uh, I know there's a trigger and there's a sight and there's a butt and there's a barrel and, you know, that's the basic component of a gun. And there's like a, a mechanism thing and you put six bullets in and flick it around and go, do you feel lucky? And that's all, <laughs> I, know. all I know about guns. Yeah, so he then sees her, realises it's her and realises it's his sister. He tries to help her, but he gets her to run away into the Mm. forest where Oddjob then just grabs his hat and totally...
1: And just (laughs) kills her. And that's that's where I sort of went, was all that necessary? (laughs) Like, do we need all this? was middle bit? Yeah,
0: it kind of wasn't because it kind
1: of no, does nothing. Yeah.
0: I guess what what it does give is this idea that Bond is kind of responsible for two sisters dying.
1: Well, yeah, I, exactly. And and whereas I guess in later films maybe you would expect that Tilly would then be the Bond girl for the rest of the movie, I guess. Like, like, she she would be along with him and that would be, like, her motivation is she wants justice for her sister. Yes. Um, they just kill her off, like, pretty much straight away. Yeah. Like, he meets her and then the next scene she's dead, which is, yeah, it's crazy.
0: I guess it doubles down on Oddjob's ruthlessness and it sure, does. Odd Job show... and
1: Goldfinger. Like, Goldfinger is a, a dangerous person to be in the orbit of.
0: Yeah, and, and that Oddjob has shown what he can do with his hat with the statue at the golf club.
1: Yes, and then we see it in action.
0: And then we see it in action. So again, and then he
1: says he says to pussy later on and he's like, you know, he kills little girls like you.
0: Yes. So I think I mean it makes narrative sense that it's in there. It livens up the driving through switzerland thing but you could have just as easily cut that because this movie is almost two hours like it's i think it's yes. the longest one so far they could have potentially cut that down like i don't think a modern bond film would have that languid a seat a driving oh seat. no
1: no absolutely not not at not some point point.
0: and it's probably for me the bit of spying if that makes sense it's kind of the well, he's uh,
1: literally spying. Like
0: that's, that's the spy craft of the film is him following him using technology and then it kind of trying to interrogate another potential witness or someone else who's involved and then trying to protect her when she, you know, out of pure motivations, wanting to get revenge for her sister, um, you know, she um, brain just died. Um <laughs> Like, she, yeah, she's there to show the ruthlessness of that situation. Yeah, I, I guess in in
1: that respect, yeah, like like she shows that that Oddjob is a lethal person to tangle with physically, and Goldfinger is a very dangerous man to cross.
0: Yeah, and look, um, it says that it says that in the title song.
1: That's that's true.
0: Yeah, he, he loves aware only gold. Or, now. Beware of his heart of gold. His heart is cold.
1: Cold. It's such a cold finger.
0: Yeah, he does. That's because what other rhyme could you have?
1: <laughs> that, that does remind me of uh, the Peter Serafinowicz sketch of uh, Ringo Starr's version of the Goldfinger theme. Uh, which, if, if you haven't seen it, go go have a look at it. It's amazing. Uh, I, can't
0: you, if I have.
1: It, it's, it's one of those um, Peter Serafinowicz uh, had a, a series of Ringo remembers sketches where he plays a spot on impersonation of Ringo Starr. And one of the anecdotes that Ringo tells is he was he was hired to write the theme to Goldfinger. The theme that he writes is a very Ringo song. Like, I don't know if he's gold or whether he's a finger. Don't ask me. I'm just the bloody singer. You know. <laughs> and then, and then the, the punchline is that uh, it took him uh, eight years to write the song. So by the time it was finished, the movie had come out. It's a great sketch. I, I've ruined it. I've ruined it. Like I've completely told all the, <laughs> the jokes, but it's really, really good.
0: No, I st- it's still worth watching anything that Peter Serafinowicz does where he's doing impressions. He's just amazing. He's one of those guys who's gone on to such bigger success. But yes. it's like for me, I'll always remember, you know, those impressions and stuff like that. And the look around me show that he did. The look, a- yes, look, look around you. you yeah. All that kind of slightly obscure stuff, or you know, same with um Charlie Brooker. Like I know Charlie Brooker is yes. all hot hot stuff now because of Black Mirror, which I have a really. It's not even a love hate relationship. It's like a oh, it took him away from the stuff that I really loved him doing, which was like yeah,
1: the which was screen Wipe. and Screenwipe and
0: Newswipe screen and, 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 news yeah. and the yearly wipes, and it took him away from that because he got big American money. And it's like, oh, Charlie, he's coming back to do like a COVID-19 pandemic wipe, apparently. So that will be fun. Yeah, that was some news this week. So that will be fun. But it's still like... Oh, Charlie Brooker. Oh. Hey, did I tell you I saw him in Edinburgh last year on the street? No. So Amy and I were flyering for Love Hate Actually, which, by the way, side note, you can now buy as a digital download as a way of um, supporting ourselves during COVID-19 because, obviously, being in the arts community, it's not a lot of work going around. Uh, <laughs> so we've made this um, professionally recorded version that we had done. We've put it up as a digital download. If you go to actoreact.com.au for $15, it supports Amy. Me and I and $2 from every sale goes to Best Friends Felines, which is the cat rescue charity that I foster for. So trying to do, you know, a good thing in turn. So good causes. Anyway, we were in Edinburgh flyering and we would go down our flyering strategy, which worked well for us, was to go down to the half price hut, which was near our venue. And so we would put a bunch of tickets on sale for half price. And then we would go down there in the afternoon and say to people, hey, instead of walking all the way up into the old town, you can just walk one block in this direction into the new town and come see our show at six. And it's half price tickets. And it was an effective strategy for us. And sure. then one day, because it's right, the Half Price Hut is on Princess Street and it's right near an art gallery, whose name I can't remember. And I turned around and I saw this very tall, taller than I would expect man, walk past me and I just went, that's fucking Charlie Brooker. And I was like, my <laughs> face just like, huh, and I just kind of panicked because I love him. But at the same time, I haven't watched all of Black Mirror, so I'm a bit like, meh. And then I watched him walk up to his wife, who was um, used to be on Blue Peter, and two kids. And I went, "Oh my God, it's it's him. That's that's his wife, you know, and they've got kids. That's definitely him." And they were sitting on the steps of this art gallery, clearly having a break. They'd been wandering around having a family day in the city. And I raced over to Amy, who was flying on the other side, and I went, "Oh my God, Charlie Brooker just walked past me." And then Amy flipped out because, of course, she's a huge Black Mirror fan. Like I'm early Charlie Brooker and she's like more recent Charlie Brooker. Massive to the point where she did a sketch comedy show at the end of last year called Slack Mirror, which was all sort of inspired by technology. And she was like, oh, my God, I'm writing a sketch show inspired by his TV show. And, oh, my God, what do we do? And I went, should we go try and say hello, try and take a photo? What do we do? And I was like, he was there with his kids. I don't know. What do we do? And we just had this like five-minute loop of do we go? What do we do? Where's he? Albert. And then, of course, by the time we went, let's go look, he was gone. <laughs> 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 you know, he and his wife had picked up their kids, whatever, gone into the gallery or wandered off. And I was like, oh. And then we were kind of relieved. This was like, uh, I'm sure he would be lovely, but we'd have to kind of, Bleh! we're doing a show and we're from Australia and we, we like your stuff and, oh, my God, you're amazing and can we take a photo with you and put it on our socials and, oh, my God.
1: It's also awkward, like, especially, like, most, most people like that will usually be, like, if I'm just by myself, okay, but, like, if I'm with my wife and kids, like, maybe just keep your distance.
0: And that's exactly why yeah. we sort of had the moral dilemma. I think if he'd been on his own, we probably would have been a bit more, you oh, know, yeah, yeah quick run and grab him, but because he was, it was like, that's just not cool, is it? Because he's with his family, and that's just going to be really weird, and we're going to look like horrible people, and, and then it's like, but when else in our lives are we going to be standing there while Charlie Brooker walks past? And then he was gone so (laughs) why did i bring this up
1: (laughs) Um, i'm trying to remember
0: moving on because we 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 do need to wrap it up and i would like to talk about pussy galore
1: yes obviously possibly the most on the nose bond girl name of all time you think like I, i don't know i mean i'm trying to think of one that's more it's basically it's not even really a double entendre it's like a single entendre
0: yeah yeah (laughs) you don't think holly goodhead from moonraker is oh that's uh...
1: true i had forgotten about that
0: (laughs) no i think pussy galore is and i was reading that um they there's a great story about the american censors were they did think oh should we change the name to kitty galore and then they thought well hang on if you're seeing this (laughs) film and you see the name pussy galore and you're a kid and you know that well there's clearly things way wrong than us using that name (laughs) Do you know what I mean? It's like if you uh, the name Fanny used to be very popular, and it wasn't yes. really a thing. But if you called a kid Fanny now, people would be like, "Really, dude? You, you're calling your kid Fanny?" <laughs> but a hundred years ago, is incredibly common name.
1: It's like and all I, those kids who were called Coronavirus.
0: Yes, very, very popular. Um, wasn't there <laughs> Tom Hanks who sent a typewriter? There was some to kid called kids.
1: Corona apparently, and and
0: yeah. yeah. And you just know that that kid was named after the beer. You just know.
1: Absolutely, yes. The, the kid was like, named after the beer, and, and he lives on the Gold Coast, so absolutely, that's what happened.
0: <laughs> oh, really? He's an Australian.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That—that's an Australian kid. Oh
0: God, that makes it um, worse. Corona, get in corona. the house, Corona. Stop hanging out by the bins, Corona. <laughs> We name children awful things in this country. It, it, it's it's terrible. <laughs> Can you imagine naming other kids? Oh, this is Corona, and this is our daughter, Vodka Cruiser. And um... <laughs> anyway, it's <laughs> so my extensive list of alcohol types.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I was, I was thinking of, of different uh, alcohol <laughs> names. I'm like, oh, it's too late in the night. It's um, this,
0: is, this is my cousin, Pinot Noir. I don't <laughs>
1: That's know. probably happened.
0: That has probably happened. Yes. So Pussy Galore, they tried to name her Kitty Galore, and then they said, you know what, people are going to know or they're not going to know. and Because it's called Pussy Galore in the book, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was only the American censors who were a bit iffy about it. And apparently Guy Hamilton, the director, said how they got around that was they took the American censors out for like this big fancy dinner and then told them how much they uh, were supporters of the Republican Party. And and it got through. They're
1: like, oh, you seem like a stand-up guy. Yes.
0: So they just lied. (laughs) Or maybe they were. I don't know. But they just basically sucked up to Republican conservatives and went, oh, no, we're big supporters (laughs) of family values. But they weren't allowed to use Pussy Galore on any advertising or in any, like, press. It had to be Miss Galore. So um, they weren't allowed to kind of use it that way. But in the film it was fine. I, I assume Pussy is like a nickname. You know, like an acquired
1: <laughs> Well, you don't, you don't think that's that's the name her parents gave her?
0: I, I just feel like maybe it was Penelope or something and then she got the nickname <laughs> Pussy as a kid. And also, is it just me or is there something intensely strange about every time Sean Connery says Pussy?
1: Pussy. Well, I mean, it's just, it's just his particular speech impediment. Yeah, but uh, it's, Makes that word very, very weird coming from him. It's,
0: it, it's like It's like this weird full body kind of shiver like like (laughs) pussy particularly when he's talking to it's like oh pussy like when she pulls he's listening in on uh, goldfinger's plan and she knocks him over or pulls him over which i think was a man i think because like if you look at that scene where these two hands come in and like yank his legs out from under him they're clearly like big man hands (laughs) i feel like that was a stuntman wearing like the same jacket as she did just sure. have a look. Like go back and compare it. It's kind of freaky. But they uh, she pulls him down and then he turns around and goes, he looks kind of action-y, and then he sees her and just goes, Bushy. <laughs> it's just like, oh it's it's not an awful thing, but it's also not pleasant. It's this weird this weird mixture of feelings. It's, it's not it's not the
1: most fun thing to hear Sean Connery say. And normal <laughs> normally hearing Sean Connery talk is great.
0: It's always delightful. But, yes, she is coded as a lesbian, or I believe she is outright said in the books, I think.
1: Yeah, I, like, I, I, I was about to say, I'm, I'm pretty sure they never actually say, like, that she's a lesbian. Like like the, the previous film, they just do a lot of winking where she's like, yeah. you know, you can turn off the charm. I'm immune. I'm immune. That's
0: right. And I never really got that as a kid. It was just like, Oh, she's immune because you're a fuck boy. Like that's why she's immune. (laughs) Which (laughs) honestly, I mean, that's a very,
1: that's a charitable, but valid reading of the film. If you want to do it that way in terms of, you know, like like, there's nothing explicitly in the film that says she's definitely a lesbian. Like, Like, so if you wanted to read it that way, I guess you probably could.
0: Yeah. I guess, I guess it leaves it ambiguous.
1: Yeah, so, although, although she's absolutely supposed to be, like, gay.
0: Yeah, 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 full on. She runs a flying circus full of hot female pilots, like. <laughs> and also when she talks about her dream goal, it's like buying an island to herself and not allowing visitors. I mean, from a lot of the lesbians that I've spoken to, that's kind of a dream goal right there. <laughs> I don't think Fair I'm talking enough. out of school. If you are a lesbian, once again, please feel free to call in. But just from, yeah, some of the – it's like, well, look, as long as there's a hardware store, uh, you know, on the island, there'll be lots of projects (laughs) and some cats. Again, stereotypes, I'm sorry. Uh, Feel free to to boot me off uh, my (laughs) own podcast. But, yeah, so this is the interesting thing because Goldfinger tells her at one point – when they realize that Felix Leiter and the CIA are kind of bumblingly spying on them, he's like, make sure they see that Bond doesn't need any assistance. Would you go change into something more comfortable and, you know, show him a good time sort of thing? And she goes, oh, sure, business before pleasure. And up until that, her attitude to him has been like, uh, no, fuck you. You know, he wakes up and it's like, who are you? And she says, my name is Pussy Galore. It's like, I and I he goes, I must be dreaming. I must be dri-. Like classic line. <laughs> classic line. Didn't understand it as a kid whatsoever. Uh, (laughs) You know, when I saw the film when I was, like, seven or eight or whatever, I was just like, oh, why would he be dreaming? I don't don't know. I mean, she's really pretty, so maybe he thinks that he's gone to heaven because she's really, really.
1: Such a naive young thing you were.
0: Well, I was seven or eight. I would hope that I would be naive. Yes, Uh, that's true. So then he's like, oh, my God, a challenge. Like, he is just enraptured by her. He's like, yep, and he's like, here's to Operation Grand Slam. Hey, hey, hey look at me, I'm Bond, hey? And she's like, nah, don't care. <laughs> and then when they're at the airfield and she's like, oh, they're my pilots, and he says, oh, he kills pretty girls like you, and she's like, pretty boys too. And, you know, and then, because Goldfinger tells her to, she's like, hello, handsome, let's show you around.
1: I do love that at that point James thinks, yes, she's finally come around.
0: Do you think he thinks
1: that? I mean, I don't know. He He definitely acts like... He, he acts like there's been some sort of breakthrough.
0: Yeah, I suppose so. I suppose so. And then they have the sort of the famous fight in the hay bales, roll in the hay. Yeah, yeah roll, in-
1: roll in the hay. Um which is not as awkward as I was expecting it to be, I haven't I haven't seen this movie for ages. like like i've I've watched it a few times, but when I was much younger, and before that had been pointed out that that scene is hugely problematic, but you know you're watching it again, like there's a very there's a there's a very sort of playful energy to the whole scene. Like yeah, they're obviously sort of testing each other. and
0: that's the word that I was going to use is playfulness. She is not unhappy to be in his company and i guess compared to goldfinger and he does he does say that he just goes he's properly nuts you know he's 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 properly mad or something like that he's genuinely crazy Mm. and it's like it's like it's just a little bit of windex on her fogged up rose colored glasses or something yeah
1: and and she kind of she kind of plays it off in saying like you know I, i know he's crazy but you can see that she's sort of oh okay And then, of course, like, uh, he deploys his magic penis and she's on his side.
0: (laughs) It is that – it's that quick. They've known each other for, you know, a day or whatever it is. Again, it's like – but that whole scene was was written because Hannah Blackman knew judo. And she'd done the Avengers and all oh, that, right. so we're like, oh, we're going to rewrite this so we can show off her judo skills. So that's cool. why
1: she. And it actually it makes the scene. She's she's definitely playing on his level. Yes. You know, in the sense that like you know she's she's obviously an an accompli- She's a pilot and, and, and a, a very um confident woman, but also like she's almost his physical equal as well. In, in yeah. the sense that you know she's she's going toe to toe, except at the end where he obviously overpowers her, <laughs> which is still a little bit awkward. Um, not it's not great. Uh, but by the same token, like in context and being very charitable, it's not meant to be read as like a forced scene in any way. Like, he like not. it's.
0: And by the time she's she's fighting him in such a way that is like, no, no, I don't, I, you know, I really want to, but I'm fighting you off because of, no, you know, I like it's it's that whole internal struggle within her. So. You know, maybe she's bisexual or pansexual, sure. or maybe it's just James Bond's magical penis. That's Let's it. not discount the magical penis. I it don't is. think
1: I don't think we can ever afford to.
0: That's right. It's magical, and this is the thing. I don't want to say that it converts lesbians because certainly Rosa Klebb was not in any way charmed by James <laughs> Bond, which is why it's like maybe the reading is that she is. It's just James Bond. It's just a, it's just a one man central.
1: She's, she's Bond sexual.
0: Bond sexual. I'm very much bond sexual. <laughs> so, you know, it's a thing. And and because of that, she changes the gas canisters and wrecks Goldfinger's whole plan. On that note can I please bring up when the flying, the Rockabye Project, Rockabye Baby, or was it Operation Rockabye Baby, and the girls uh, yes, fly. Yeah, the, I
1: was going to say it's Grand Slam, but that's like the whole plan.
0: That's the whole plan, and their element is Rockabye Baby. And they fly over the town and over the military bases, and you start to see columns of soldiers and that sort of thing all fall down. Hmm. And I don't know how I didn't notice this before, but it's so clearly, hey, just fall down and pretend to be dead. It's like... Because you can't act – it's really hard to act dropping down Stone Cold Dead. Anyway, you have to just kind of slump and they all kind of slightly bring themselves to the ground. I th- maybe I'm reading too much into it. But the nerve gas just works like quicksilver. It's literally like it'll fly over and the planes are still high up in the air and they, they literally just collapse well, that I was a, that end. was the
1: thing that um, and I maybe I'm giving the movie too much credit because it seems like if you were you know if you were pretending that the nerve gas was affecting you, but actually it wasn't, maybe that explains why everyone you know just immediately falls over when the planes go over. Whereas like I, that's the one sort of bit where I'm sort of like, that that stretches my <laughs> stretches my credulity somewhat, and I remind you that this is a movie with a laser in it. Yes, um, <laughs> but it's also like th- they got the word out to every surrounding army yeah. base house everyone okay when these planes fly over and you might not hear them because uh, yes. they're small planes and they're flying relatively high uh but when they fly over fall over and pretend to be dead yes it'll make well, sense later promise we promise
0: so bond must have told pussy because he he says later and where's pussy galore and felix says she helped us change the gas in the canisters so she's on her own back, gone off and found Felix, or has Bond told her where to go find Felix? And how did well, she manage that?
1: Well, I mean, she's, she's definitely—he's told her to go find Felix, and then she's found Felix, and then a lot of stuff happened off camera. A
0: lot of plans are made off camera.
1: Yeah, absolutely. For a pretty good reveal, it has to be said. But yeah. you know, it's you know, when when all the soldiers get back up, it's like, yeah, but
0: yeah. But having said that, they a lot of them fell over in very difficult positions to maintain. Yes, that's it's right. Like, so like you're making it's like, it very hard for yourself, yeah, guys. Yeah, it's like a close-up of him, and he's got his head resting on a car. Like, the window is down, and it's resting on the windowsill of the car. It's like, that's incredibly uncomfortable. And also, you're in mm. the full sun in Kentucky. Yes. Yeah. It, it's not a cold day. You're going to be getting, like, burns off the heat. Like, those 1960s cars, they would have burnt your fingers just touching them. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, the, the internal leather. <laughs>
0: Yeah, they've got to hold that position until someone gives a signal. Anyway. Yeah,
1: it's, 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 a hard, it's a hard thing to maintain. <laughs> I know that when, when we were kids, we had a, an old Kingswood, and um, that, uh, that thing had leather seats, and holy hell in the summer. Yes. That thing, you could fry an egg on the bloody back seat. It was crazy.
0: So hot. Yeah, no aircon. And they would have, it took time to everyone to get it. They would have had to hold those positions for at least half an hour. Like a
1: yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you know they have to they have to drive the truck there and all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, and there are ones who are like fallen halfway out of car, like to one side. <laughs> you can't hold that for half an hour. Like you're gonna cramp up. <laughs> anyway, just my POV.
1: It is it uh, is strangely the most unrealistic thing about the film.
0: <laughs> it is strange there's a fantastic fight obviously with bond and odd job yes, because in fort Knox. yeah in fort Knox because of course they couldn't film in Fort Knox. So Fort Knox was just sort of an elaborate production design. That's how they thought it might look, you know, it was very, oh, really? very yeah, I, yeah,
1: mean, yeah. I assume they weren't, I assume they weren't filming in the actual Fort Knox, but I figured they must've
0: like no, I done, think they,
1: they must've based it on Fort Knox, but I obviously think, they've just gone, ah, oh, it's probably just lots of, lots of gantries.
0: I think they had to invent it. Cause if you were to put it out there and go filmed at Fort Knox, oh, this is how Fort Knox looks like, then you're giving away that's
1: true
0: yeah so they um goldfinger and very cleverly he really has planned this whole thing out and he says in the in the big meeting room with the mafia where he says he's been working on this for 15 years and it shows because it's incredibly well planned out as as we said earlier bond even bond can say wow this is genius you've done so well 15 years to organize so that when it all goes wrong he's dressed in an american army uniform and he immediately yes. puts on a little hat and then goes, Oh, go over there, get them. He's the bad guy. But he's shooting a solid gold pistol. He's, well,
1: he's got a golden gun, which I found I found quite interesting. Yeah. Uh,
0: and he's really, the, that's a later story. But yeah, he's not he's not trying to hide like his hubris is such that he can't tr- do a complete disguise. He yeah, still he's
1: like, still I'm still I'll still have a gold gun, though. Like, you know, Yeah. got, got to stay on brand.
0: That's right. So he's um, shooting at them, and he gets away with, with the pussy galore in the chopper. And, like, shit, that's it's a strange thing, and I understand why they do it, because they, they want to have that final scene with him in the plane and then forces them to crash sort of thing, and and, and Goldfinger gets sucked out of the head cabinet.
1: Yes. Well, which is another thing that I think has been, dis- like, disproven. Like, it's not actually a... It's not actually a thing. Like, like yeah. you, you won't get sucked out of a window.
0: That does sound familiar to me, but it's still hilarious. This is quite quite <laughs> portly sort of... gentleman just kind of gets like through.
1: But it's portly. actually, I mean, is that a is that a dummy that they throw through the window there, or is it, like some poor I, some poor stuntman or?
0: I, yeah, I feel like there's a, a a mix of kind of um uh what would you call it blue screen sort of effect hmm. where because it, it does look a bit like a matte painting at one point. It kind of. The look of it changes. Um, but, yeah, I think they must have got a stuntman or, or a dummy or something. Yeah, but his, his fight with Oddjob is great because that whole Fort Knox thing is – it's echoey and once Oddjob yes, knocks yeah. off the other guy – because, like, there's this other guy and I don't even know his name, but he's like Goldfinger's – not his henchman but like the guy who organizes all the plans so he's the one who gets all the mafia guys together and then he's the yeah. one dressed as US army who who leads the you know explodes the gates of Fort Knox no idea what his name is goldfinger closes the lock on Fort Knox with the big the big door and yeah. he closes that to make sure the bomb goes off an odd job and this other guy is still in there with bond and the other guy goes, you can be a hero. I'm not going to be. And Job is just like, no, no, the plan goes ahead. Yeah. You know, give him henchman, credit.
1: Henchman to the last.
0: He's very loyal. And Bond manages to get free because the guy falls to his death and he's got the key in his pocket, so Bond is able to kind of free himself from the bomb. And then he has this fight with Oddjob. And this, the sound foley in the scene always gets me. Like it's this, the yeah. Oddjob's like tap, tap, tap footsteps. And when they're on the gangways and they're, it's very echoey and very, you know, tap, tap, tap. Like it's um haptic almost. It's a very intense kind of sound, and there's no music for their fight. It's just this very echoey thingy until until Bond is able to hit the great. He, he throws his hat at Oddjob, and Oddjob goes to retrieve it, and then he throws a, a fuse yes the, yeah the, the, the,
1: the, the severed uh, electrical cord which is yeah, just sparking
0: at the thing and then he goes to defuse the bomb and he's like what the fuck do i do what the fuck do i do he notices that the u.s army are busting in and he's like the countdown is on i don't know what to do and he's just about to like pull a whole bunch of wires <laughs> no idea it's a, yeah <laughs> it's, it's actually a really
1: so cool, cool inversion this other uh, this guy yeah. comes along and just goes click that's all yeah, you need click, to do
0: like, Off switch, literal off switch. There's an off
1: switch, yeah. (laughs) Which, I mean, makes you think, I mean, that must have been, that that must have already been a trope of of like the the, the, the ticking clock on the bomb and you've got to figure out which wire to cut or which thing to to press. But because, I mean, like, you know, this can't, this can't have been the first time it was there because they're already undercutting the trope. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like the idea of like the bomb, like trying to defuse a bomb that's counting down must have been in pop culture. And this yeah. film is actually undercutting that trope because Bond's about to take a guess and rip out a bunch of wires and the guy comes along and goes, no, no, no there's, a, there's a little button here. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's, it's a nice reinforcement of Bond as the blunt instrument.
1: Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He can't do the tech stuff.
0: He can't do the tech stuff. But then again, Bond is not in any way responsible for saving the day. When you think about the last bit of this film, he has sex with Pussy Galore, which (laughs) is the last bit of actual driving of of the change of plot that he does. Because after. If if you want to
1: be charitable and call that spycraft.
0: Well, it's, you know, she then goes off and makes different choices, which leads to the US Army and the CIA being able to foil the plot. But Bond is just there, tied yeah. up with the prisoner. That's he's true. given a new black suit for some reason because I think, obviously, his grey day suit didn't look cool enough for the finale because <laughs> he's literally just a dude in a three-piece suit. So, yeah. like, well, if we put him in a black suit, he kind of looks like a spy again. But he's taken into Fort Knox, chained to a nuclear bomb, locked to a gantry. Like, he's got no way out. And then he's he's able to get himself free and kill Odd Job. Okay, he does that. But he can't defuse the bomb. Like, mm. he doesn't save the day in that sense. He's just, oh, other people come in. So it's really interesting because generally it's Bond who fires off the final shot or gets in, the, you know, or can defuse the bomb or or helps the person defusing the bomb
1: by true, giving yeah.
0: cover like he does in, in Di- um, The World Is Not Enough with the Christmas Jones. Like, she's the one fixing <laughs> bombs. He's the one kind of giving cover and that sort of thing. Um, but he is the blunt instrument. He can't do everything. But he doesn't do. Once he's he's kidnapped and on the plane, he has little moments of escaping. You know, he escapes from his jail cell at the yeah. stunt ranch, goes and listens to the plan,
1: <laughs> and then gets recaptured. It's and they re-captured. put like 10 guys sorry, as his guards.
0: It's a great comic moment. Like, it's a really funny comic. And it's, it's a, a purely
1: broken. comedic moment, too. Like, like it's yeah. played purely for laughs.
0: Very, very fun. And I I can't think what what else. There's still so much more to this film, but we're already kind of at a two-hour podcast, so (laughs) we should probably wrap up. Oh, the plan. Oh, my God, sorry. We have to talk about the plan with the mafia. Oh, my God. Hey, what do you bring? I don't work with Chicago. I don't work with New York. What's a West Side (laughs) chapter? You know, these great (laughs) mafia guys that he's been using to get all the stuff for his plan and now is able to – Say, hey, look, you can take a million today or have 10 million tomorrow. Again, by today's standards, laughably small amounts of money. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, for the time. And then <laughs> Mr. Solo says, oh, I'm going to take my money and go. And while he's out, because the other guys are kind of coming around to the plan, you know, because. Yeah, Gold- like,
1: yeah, yeah, we're going to we're going to read Fort Knox.
0: Yeah. So full of his own bullshit that the others are going, maybe he can do this. Like he might just be crazy enough to do this. And Mr. Solo's like, Nah, I'm out of here. And so he goes to say goodbye to him, and then the assistant guy, not odd job, but the other assistant guy, then just closes off all the airway air through to the room mm. and poisons them all yeah, with sure. the nerve gas.
1: And it's like, it's so, a very strange moment. It's like, oh, uh, okay.
0: He gets them all in there to talk up his plan, and then kills them all anyway.
1: Uh, along with along with purpose built models that rise from the floor.
0: Yes, he spent so much so much time having. I guess, a, I
1: guess you know he's, he's prepared the presentation.
0: <laughs> a billion table made with so many knobs and dials, uh, <laughs> flipping over to reveal the topographical maps. The floor slides open. He's had that stud built with a sliding floor and hidden and all this effort to then just tell his plan to these people and then kill them, which leads me to the only conclusion that I can draw from this mm. is that Oric Goldfinger has a sexual kink for telling <laughs> people about his elaborate plans and then killing them before anyone can act on them. And, and that moment is his intense sexual gratification (laughs) right and that's almost what he did the whole thing for the whole gold being you know neutralized that was kind of like a secondary bonus but the whole aim was to get an elaborate enough plan that he could pull in a bunch of respected gangsters show them all how much better he is than them and then kill (laughs) them and then have the greatest solo night of his life
1: sure and that's the only look it's the it's the only thing that makes sense
0: it's the only thing that makes sense because he has no intention clearly of letting them leave the room. He has no intention. He's not even trying to recruit no, them. No, no. Yeah. Cause was... I mean, he is, I mean, he does the whole pitch and then he just kills them.
1: So yeah. I mean, what other explanation is there that he gets off on this shit? It's
0: just a massive <laughs> kink and look, no shade, you know, I'm not trying to kink shame Goldfinger, <laughs>
1: not kink shaming Goldfinger.
0: No, but it's just a bit silly, <laughs> but it's bond, you know, it's, it's fantastical and out there and all the whiz bang like like all of that knob twirling and not to talk too much about pussy galore again uh, but yes it's bond you know what can i say final thoughts
1: <laughs> um look you know this film is classic for a reason it's actually good like you know we, it's it's of its time and it is wildly more disrespectful to women than the last two films somehow but it's also um like it's also really fun the action's great sean connery is, has not been better he does the 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 ruthless bond very well but he's he comes into his own when he gets to be a bit playful and that he that, that really seems to suit him a lot more. And yeah, he just he Connery is living the role. The film's great and Goldfinger loves gold. And what more do you need?
0: He loves gold, Stu.
1: He loves gold, Natalie. Only gold. Only he gold. Loves
0: only gold. Only gold.
1: Because his he heart is gold.
0: gold. <laughs> hold the note. Hold the
1: note. Whoa. Hold, hold, the, hold it, hold Can't quite get there. <laughs> Have you yes, noticed like uh, she kind of she kind of falters right at the end?
0: No, she does not. She's Shirley Bassey, thank you very much.
1: Well, well she doesn't falter but but she cuts it like just before the
0: So good. I love that song so much. Fantastic. Just and watching it again and it's shocking, shocking. He walks out the door and then it's just that bum 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 like it just <laughs> it's a wave of sound that just hits you. It's so good. So good. It is very um, good. well, with that, let's wrap up because this is another long one. This was always going going to
1: be long. It's it's a big, it's a big film.
0: It's a big film for so many reasons. And we'll start to see now with Thunderball because next week we go to Thunderball, which brings Spectre back into the whole situation. This was a break Uh, from Spectre. Goldfinger doesn't have anything to do with Spectre from what we know, but he's a standalone villain, obviously working with the Chinese to get a dirty bomb. Sure.
1: But which when you think about it is really interesting because like the first two films were all about Spectre and then the third one, they're just like, Oh yeah. And also there's this weird, uh, rich guy who loves gold
0: yeah (laughs) it's like a little detour and then they back to specter for thunderball and you only live twice and uh and even on her Majesty's secret service really so um it's really really fun and i love it and i will always love it and it's always in my top probably three bond films so yeah, yeah. Just... I mean, it's
1: definitely up there. Well, well. Having said that, we need to quickly do the ranking. Oh
0: my god, our list, um, our ranking. Yeah, list.
1: yeah. I mean, I, I don't think we'll have to take very long to place yeah. this one. Uh, pretty sure it's topping it, both of our lists.
0: It goes to the top. It I take... briefly,
1: I briefly yeah. flirted with maybe putting from Russia with love above it because uh, okay. I, I really liked from Russia with love I wasn't expecting to and I really liked it I was like that's actually this is a great movie I, I really had a, a lot of fun and like uh God I've forgotten his name already but the 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 um, bonds offsider in that movie Karen Bay uh, yes. is, is great Karen. so great like really really good and and a, a type of character we don't get very often in the Bond franchise you know there's a lot of good stuff in it like it and like the train fight and and it's all good but goldfinger's goldfinger man you can't you can't deny that that that, that and, goes to number one easily
0: yeah and this is why i say it's not perfect because as i said in the whole of act 3 of the film bond is kind of neutered yeah um, yeah yeah but then the whole start of it and the you know the puns and the girls and the golden girl and you know there's just so many classic images and again and this is why the bond films really you can rank them technically or story or whatever but then for me there's a real emotional element and i'll hmm. be very upfront about that because some people will be like how can you rank this higher than this and it's like i'm sorry but i am going to be ranking a no film that, that's oh, i can't wait confident.
1: for that i can't yeah. wait for that
0: so oh well this is great we now have three we're starting to get real lists
1: yeah absolutely
0: so we'll and start-
1: i think are our lists identical still like like you put mine is no, no, yeah. goldfinger from Russia With Love, Dr. No, and your yeah, Goldfinger, Goldfinger Dr. Dr. No, Dr. No,
0: from Russia With from Love. Russia
1: With Love, okay. That's interesting. And, and
0: purely that emotion of Dr. No. Yeah. You know, again, I can see that that From Russia With Love has Ali Karen Bay, whom I adore. But yeah, there's just something about Doctor No is that first one that you know again it's that's really and I could change. I mean, do we have rules on where we if we can change? <laughs> like, I mean, I maybe if
1: you if you if you rethink it later rethink on, like we can always we can always reshuffle.
0: Yeah, that's right. So anyway, thank you so much. I've been getting some lovely feedback on the podcast so far. Hopefully yeah, people, thanks,
1: Thank you for listening.
0: Yeah, thank you for listening. We know it's a long listen, but look, there's time, I guess, at this point in the world. Sure. <laughs> people might have time to listen to lengthy podcasts about James Bond. Um, but, yes, if you do have any thoughts, um, you can find uh, facebook.com slash Natalie's Throne where you'll find links out to, um, well, it's nataliebohensky.com. Uh, you can find the the, the written accompanying um, essays to these podcasts linked through. Disco Stew on Twitter. I'm uh, at Girl Clumsy on Twitter. Talk to us there. That's great. And also, finally, I am reactivating my Patreon, patreon.com slash Girl Clumsy, which I used to have for my Game of Thrones recaps, and I was always very honest that I would let people know if and when I was changing that up and just due to the world situation and me trying to, you know, find ways to support myself um Mm. i'm reactivating that so please do go and look at your if you are a previous pledge -er, please do go and look at. and if you need to unsubscribe absolutely fine no offense taken these are weird times and you may not like james bond content but if you do and you're you know keen to stick around then i I love you for sticking around but definitely feel free to mess with your um, pledge amount i I totally get it so find us chat to us we love it i don't know about you but it just helps. Certainly helps me to, to chat to people about things that aren't a global pandemic. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Just good for the brain, you know.
1: Absolutely, it and really that, is.
0: And with that, let me say that I'm Natalie. And I'm Stu. And we're shaken,
1: not stirred.
0: And this week let's finish with a um, he loves gold. gold. <laughs> I'll time it up with the music. It'll work fine. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time for Thunderball.